SpecFicMedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast with hosts E.G. Holyfield, Christiana Ellis, Chooch, Viv, and Nuchus. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, SpecFicMedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. It is June 4th. 2014 and we're here tonight to talk about season four episode eight the mountain and the viper uh, a little follow-up on the last couple weeks recently we uh released the audio podcast uh from our episode seven reaction show which we recorded the sunday night right after episode seven uh then the following sunday night we recorded at Bal- or did our live show at balticon uh the week off for uh, game of thrones uh, we um, are releasing that audio um, in our podcast feed. So if you're watching live, uh, go on over to uh, specficmedia.com tomorrow. Um, we'll be posting it later tonight. Um, and you'll be able to uh, listen to the live show audio there. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't want to miss that one. You'll, you'll be, you won't be caught up to listen yeah. to that. <laughs> Not only did we have uh, Nutty's notes from episode seven, since she wasn't on the reaction show, we had some uh, internal discussion and then some Q and a um, from the audience really there. Questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we would just wanted to thank, take a moment to thank everybody that uh, came out and watched the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we certainly hope that we'll be able to go back uh, next year for our fourth annual uh, live show at Balticon uh, live beyond the wall. Uh, one item that we didn't get to uh, during our live show that we were going to do, um, we had a little, co- or we're having a little contest internally, and I'm actually going to open it up to the uh, fans. Um, and, and after I explain it, you'll understand it's, it can be very spoiler heavy. So if you're mm-hmm. watching live, do not uh, post in the Q&A what your guess is once I explain what it is. Mm-hmm. Um Send an email to me at btw at specficmedia.com with your guess to the following question. What do you think the final scene is going to be in season four, episode 10? And I don't just mean like the last, you know, big thing that happens, but what is the last thing that happens before fade to black music rises uh, credits roll? Literally the last shot. The last shot, the last image, you know, what, you know, for example, uh, episode one was, you know, non burnt, burnt Daenerys with dragons crawling around her season one, season one, sorry. Uh, season two was uh, white Walker hissing near Sam, which I don't even want to get into, uh, why that we have problems with that now at the end of season four. Um, season three was Danny being carried around in the mosh pit. Um, after the, um, what was that taking of uh, young Kai? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, what do you think uh, the end of episode 10, uh, what that last shot is going to be again, send to BTW at specficmedia.com. Uh, in episode 10, we'll, we'll discuss who got it right. If any mm-hmm. of us gets it right. Um, if we pick something that did happen, but wasn't the final shot, we'll, we'll, you know, say, okay, well, we were close here, mm-hmm. but if it's something that just doesn't happen, and obviously it's something we think is going to happen in season five, they just didn't get to it. We were not going to talk about that, of course, because that would be spoilers. 
Uh, I have a proposal um, just to make it yes. more fun for people, because obviously people who have read the books have an advantage in that we know some of the things that are likely to happen as opposed to just being totally at sea. So I like maybe where you're going. We should have the people who have not read the books. I don't know if we need to have everybody necessarily separate out, but maybe we should have two like an award for being the closest to getting it exactly right. But then also which one do we wish it would have been? Cause that would have been awesome. Yes. Even Please, if it was yes. a different story. Uh, if you do send in a guess on what you think that final shot will be before it fades to black, uh, put in your email, what you think it's going to be. And if you've read the books or not, and we'll trust you on that. And we'll uh, okay. talk about honor system. Honor system. We'll talk about uh, uh, what people guessed in episode 10 of our show. Ah, Tim Dodge says, greetings, mountain people. <laughs> yes, at least we are still alive if we're mountain people, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, Where are we the mountain clans? I don't know. Oberon's oh, performance was mind-blowing. Oh. Uh, uh, so, yeah, the mountain and the viper. That again. Um, yeah, definitely a graphic <laughs> end to a, uh, something that a lot of us knew was coming, but, um, uh, definitely how they handled it was, uh, yeah, quite, quite, uh, brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Viv is not here tonight, but everybody else is, uh, hi Chooch. How are you? Hey, excellent. Good job. And Christiana, good to I'm see you. Yes, I'm doing great. Uh, Space Casey season two available now. SpaceCasey.com. Yeah. Episode three just released, right? Right, right. Uh, well, on Tuesday, yeah. So on Tuesday, very good. And Nutty, how are you? I am doing wonderfully. Glad to see I haven't seen you since since Balticon was over. G after Balticon, this is a first. <laughs> there we go. That's good. Um, yeah. So. Um, yeah, skip the the general uh, you know views on it. We'll we'll get to stuff at the <laughs> end. Oh God, the jokes have already started. Mike McCauley <laughs> says my eyes hurt. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so we'll skip our general impressions. Uh, we'll get to that as we go through. I'm sure. Um, so we started the episode in Molestown. Um, and uh you know got to see the 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 um uh reappearance of our our the the nasty the, like they say the girls in Molestown not quite the prettiest or the uh <laughs> most desirable women uh, i guess you could say um don't know what the lady's name was but mm. uh belching uh the bear and the maiden fair did you recognize the bear and the maiden oh fair in the, in the belching night well, you had a 50 50 chance so yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's only two songs one or two once you knew one was a- i feel like it was a hundred percent intentional that her belching sounded nothing like either song <laughs> yeah. and that yet yeah, those were the two songs that he he guessed i feel like that was absolutely on purpose and a direct response to people complaining that those are the only two songs in Westeros. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I, I agree. I mean, we've had, you know, the whole idea of the meta jokes in the show, mm-hmm. like, uh, Olena talking about if I, if I walk down the, in these gardens one more time, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw myself off a cliff or whatever she said. <laughs> and, you know, Daenerys giving her speeches where she's just repeating stuff. Oh, 
I'm not really going to Westeros. I'm going to, I've captured this city and I've freed the slaves here and now I'm here to free the slaves. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, uh, I, I think that, but I also think that it just didn't work very well. I, yeah. I thought that that was just sort of a, I agree. I would rather them just go ahead and, and come up with some new songs instead of <laughs> making yeah, jokes about you- how they only have two. Either that, or if you're going to make a belching joke about, at least make it sound somewhat like either of the songs instead of, you know. Well, and we have actually had a little bit of a third song. We had the um, Sam singing a couple of verses about the seven, mm. you know, yep. the um, how the, they all love the little children. Yes, and there are more songs referenced in the books. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. yeah uh, Sheriff Bullock says, uh, my mother is from Molestown, so I'm um, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. Right. Yeah, sorry, your mother's from Old Town. And Chooch, Chooch, do we have a new tongue color this evening? Not new. Green. Greenish. Uh, Green. Greenish. There you go. <laughs> the red and the blue are were a little more clear. A little more vivid. Uh, but blue, yeah. you look like a warlock. There you go. Tim says he's already sent his email. He's He'll be disappointed, very disappointed, if he's not right. So. Mm-hmm. And, well, uh, hopefully you are. Yeah. If it's what I want it to be, then that, yes, I will root for you to be right. If you're not, <laughs> if it doesn't match mine, then I hope you're wrong. Mine um, totally so. matches PG's now, by the way. Yes. I think uh, mine is probably the same, actually, too. Although <laughs> I think, given that I think we all suspect that we're probably going to guess the same thing, what we need to do is be as specific as possible in order to distinguish our guesses. Well, not just I, a general statement, but as specific as possible. I've got I've gotten everybody's but uh well you told me in the car that when we were coming back from lunch we sort of discussed this so mm-hmm. I have yours there. Uh Nettie sent me hers and then I said, "Well, since you told me yours, I will tell you mine. Since you showed me yours, I'll show you mine." <laughs> um mine, and, mine was like half of his and yes. then and went then I said, "Well, this is what I wanted to be." And she said, "Ooh, I changed mine. I wanted to be that." And then she <laughs> she sent me his and uh which is probably Nowhere hey, near the realm of anything. Wild ass guess. They could. They could be. You never know. Our our. If someone is watching for the first time, Chooch is the the unspoiled, as it says in his uh, lower third. There, it's like um, an unsullied. Read, but I still uh, got balls. Book, but uh, and you are muted, I think, or something. Did not I? hearing you anymore. Oh well. Yeah, going. I was going to say it's kind of like an unsullied, but I still have balls. <laughs> <laughs> Do you though? Let's you jump wonder in. what's under your loincloth. So let's jump ahead since you brought that up. So does, um, is it re- ever established in the book, um, whether everything is taken from the unsullied or just, uh, just the, the, um, how does she put it? The pillar, pillar and, the, and the stones yeah. and the stones. <laughs> I assumed that they don't take both stones simply because they're, they're both big stones. Yes. Well, I would think both stones taken, but somehow some pillar has to be there for yeah. for, for uh, peeing, if nothing else. <laughs> well, like, uh, I mean, it's not that that's like an impossible thing to yeah. manage. You know, I, you know, we as we've discussed in the past with Ferris, for example. <laughs> but that yeah. said, if you're going to have a whole bunch of soldiers marching on the road, certainly just for sanitation purposes, it's a lot simpler. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I don't know. It, at the same time that I don't think it's been confirmed, or at least I don't recall that it has, it seems like something that in this world of what you know the the free cities and all of that, like 
would probably be easy to find out. Like, it's not even a question of like, oh, you have to ask an unsullied and they would do it because they're unsullied and all that. It's more just like, you got 8,000 of them just walking around. I mean, it, you know, and they're bathing in the river. I mean, I think you figure it out at some point. Yeah. And I, yeah. The, the fact that Masandi says, I don't know, sort of, I was like, okay, you, you know, I can understand maybe Danny not knowing, not live growing up in that, you know, part of the world or whatever. But anyway, uh, Beefhead says that it was established in the books, but since that's sort of a question out there, let's not uh, answer mm-hmm. it. Uh, answer it in the Q and a since uh, maybe they're going to have some sort of love thing going on there. And, you know, maybe we'll learn later whether. One thing I want to say is either way, I think it was really naive of Danny to assume that the castration automatically means that he would have no interest at all. Yeah. I mean, especially just given that, um, it's it's one thing to say that when they were really in the extremely strict unsullied discipline because they were slaves, if they if they had just this training to never consider or give any weight to anything that they might want because they sort of, they're so depersonalized in that condition, but they're not like that anymore. They've been given freedom. They've been given permission to choose their own names. They've been told that they can make their own decisions. And why at that point would that not potentially start to um, allow them to think some thoughts they might have not permitted themselves otherwise? Right. So, but let's jump back over to Molestown since uh, we sort of have a segue. Oh, well, since the, since yeah. the uh, since the the nasty looking Belcher uh, makes fun of the guy's genitals, uh, the guy who uh, who either guessed the song right or couldn't guess the song right, whichever one that was. Um, uh, she ends up walking into the laundry and uh, giving Gilly a hard time about the baby making noise. Uh, mm-hmm. Another baby foreshadowing. Sort of continuing the threat that uh, she sort of started in the earlier episode where yeah. obviously she doesn't like Gilly for being a wildling. And uh, I liked uh, that. I, I liked Gilly's attitude in that scene because on the one hand, it's clear there's a, a little bit of, Look, I don't want any trouble. You just leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. We don't have to do this. Let's not waste the breath. But then when provoked, even at like an idle threat about, you know, the baby, it's just kind of like, listen, I'm not going to put up with you saying anything remotely like that, much less even thinking about actually doing it. So you said it to get a rise out of me. Mission accomplished. Mm -hmm. Don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked I liked that she's she was really willing to stand up for herself there. Mama yep. bear. Well, and and Gilly is different from so many of Craster's wives because she stood up for herself from the get go. I mean, the fact mm-hmm. that she went to Sam was huge. Mm-hmm. So I I I agree. I completely love that she's like, yeah yeah whatever. Oh no, you're not talking about my baby. Because yeah. if we think about like. You. Let's think about Craster's other wives, like the ones left behind after mm-hmm. the mutineers were killed. You know, on the one hand, you could say, well, they decided they didn't need a man at all. They're just going to go their own way. And, you know, Gilly had asked for help. But at the same time, there's also, we remember when the baby boy was born, Craster's last son, most of the other girls there were all creepy and cult-like about this uh, um uh, all creepy and cult-like about, oh, you know, have to give the sacrifice and all of that. Whereas Gilly was the one that said, 
no, this is my son, my baby boy. I don't want him to give him to the White Walkers. Um, right. I want to save them. And so that's kind of been what, but she was of her own mind in that regard where her sister wives were not. Right. Uh, Gilly has a little bit, or she might have said more, but then she hears the owls hooting. Mm -hmm. uh, um, before whistling. we go there, yeah. before we go there, uh, Christiana just reminded me of something. Uh, remember back when um, the last of Craster's boys was born and we got to see, you know, the Fortress of Solitude and everything and Jarrell <laughs> turn him yeah. into a White Walker? Mm -hmm. Does that mean that little Sam is Kyle? <laughs> the only um, boy saved uh, from Krypton? Wow, man. Hmm. Well, I, I'm... <laughs> hmm. Yes. Maybe stretching, but we'll say yeah. yes. Yes, it's a symbol of peace. Yes. As much as I like the exploring the idea, I feel like it needs work. Or hope. The analogy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, back to um, the, the actual show. Yeah, so, <laughs> so the, the uh, whistles in the air that she hears, um, did anybody have a problem with her immediately understanding what that was? Uh, I... It, to me, it sound it it was sort of the difference between someone who knows what wolves sound like and what a person trying to sound like an owl, or excuse me, what owls sound like and what a person sounding like an owl sounds like, versus someone who kind of lives in a town. Yeah, I can see it from that perspective. The only problem I had, and not not that they, she was one of Craster's daughters, Craster's wives. It wasn't like she was in the middle of the wildling army oh, and know their code for mm. communication and the mm -hmm. fact that she absolutely knew in an instant that oh my god we're being attacked by wildlings because of what she was hearing I, that was the only thing i didn't quite well, but buy. I, but so i think first of all it's it's a little bit like what i said is that craster's keep was in the middle of the forest she yeah. knows what actual owls sound like yeah. Plus, she is also she's the one out of everybody there that actually knows what's going on as far as what the wildlings are up to. Knows right. that there's wildlings around, that there's an ongoing threat, and that there is anything to actually be worried about. And so, I think she's the one that is ready for there to be an attack of some kind. Well, in Castle uh, Black, they say they've been sacking the towns all around. So, yeah. you I think the people yeah. of Molestown would know something's coming if Castle Black knows something's coming. Okay. So it doesn't mean that she has to know it's wildlings, but mm -hmm. something bad. Okay. It doesn't bother me as much now that you said that. So that's good. I'm happy <laughs> that we, I am happy that we talked about this, <laughs> but she does hear the whistles. She tells a uh, mean lady to shut up and mm -hmm. uh, is pretty much ignored. And she goes and grabs baby and hides as we cut to, uh, um, to all of the wildlings and, um, you know, uh, oh gosh, um, Tormund and Magnarthen and everybody coming through and stabbing mm -hmm. and being very stabby. And then mean Ygritte. Yeah. Um, yeah, the comment that uh, that was made uh, here was, um, man, she must really hate that John because <laughs> she's just a woman of vengeance now. <laughs> a woman scorned because um, she's all that meanness. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, yes. As Sheriff Bullock says in the Q&A, I don't like this mean you grit. I like the saucy minx hot tub you grit. Where does she, <laughs> she bring her back? I agree. But it, it, uh, it, She can't come back. 
Jon mm. Snow killed that that Egret. Yes, <laughs> I thought for sure when they uh, you see this big well and you hear everything. I thought someone was going to pop out of the well for sure, but oh, well. <laughs> that would have been that awesome. Cool. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but uh, they make it into the actual uh, uh, brothel and in whatever that is and uh, kill kill everybody in there. Uh, Egret gets. Uh, puts the mean lady out of her misery, which is, mm-hmm. uh, was, was actually fun to see. And then, uh, uh, she finds, she hears the baby crying and sees, sees, uh, Gilly and baby Sam hiding. Mm-hmm. And you have that moment in time where you're wondering, is she or isn't she? But she, uh, puts her finger up to her mouth and says, you know, shush. Um, Mike asks or sa- says in the, chat i felt like i missed something when a grit gave gilly the free pass unless it was something as simple as not wanting to kill a mother and baby seemed a little inconsistent to me um i guess you know i i I didn't have a problem with that as far as you know i mean being a person and having being able to kill you know everybody but still having a conscience to the point of killing a mother holding holding a baby is you know a step too far for her yeah, I think uh, she, I she had to that. stop and think, and it wasn't easy to kill when she had to think about it, whereas when it's just an action, it's not hard for her. Yeah, she's passing a woman, she's going to gut her, no big deal, but she had to stop, look, see what she saw, and then she had to think, am I going to kill this mother and child? So I think um, had Gilly been out in in the room, she would have been in more danger, but because mm-hmm. Ygritte had to stop and think is really what saved her. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think also, you know, we were just talking about she's all woman of vengeance right now. Um, I think there is so much of her kind of mentally putting John's face on every man that she kills in some ways. Um, and so it's not that she would therefore hesitate to kill a woman. I don't think that's the case, but it's more just a matter of this was such a stark contrast that it couldn't probably help, but remind her just a little bit of maybe fantasies she might've had about herself and John at some point, like what if they had been able to stay together and gone off and lived somewhere and had kids or something like she kind of wanted. And so maybe it was just a reminder there. Um, Another thought that occurred to me is just kind of like, oh, man, she's all the way over there across all this furniture. I'd have to climb over all that. She's hiding. She'd probably (laughs) swim away while I'm doing it. It's just a pain in the ass. I've got blood falling down the ceiling. And I'm telling her to be quiet so that nobody will get me in trouble if they find out that I didn't didn't kill her all the way. So Yeah. Clearly not. Just stay in there. Just I can't be bothered. (laughs) Yes. And there was the cool shot as B-Fitz points out of the blood flowing through the uh, cracks in the oh man yeah in the floorboards <laughs> in the ceiling rather super creepy yep um and he also says i love gilly so yes. who doesn't um who doesn't so we cut from there where uh the the men at castle black uh after watching cnn and seeing the uh <laughs> the destruction of molestown uh yeah discuss, that was a- <laughs> Again, you know, it's one of those things that we bring, that I always have a problem with, but it's like, okay, yeah, time has passed. Somebody wrote in and said, oh, my God, they've killed everyone in Molestown, whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, with the way it just, the next scene, it's like, 
you know, how the hell would they know? But you know, obviously time has passed. Uh, but uh, Gilly and uh, baby Sam, uh, you know, snuck away or did something. They haven't been seen. Uh, the first assumption being that they've been killed and Sam, you know, crying about that. Uh, and then they, they convince him that, you know, she, she survived all these other, other things. She could have survived this, which mm-hmm. actually I didn't like that scene, that part of the scene mm-hmm. uh, very much at all. I just thought it was, you know, if, if there had been a question about whether she had mm-hmm. survived or not, and they had this discussion, you would think of it in one way, but just yeah. knowing that she survived and then having them just go, woe is me about, you know? Yeah. It was a little weird to, to be in that position where we, we know she did survive and then have it be discussed like a question. Right. If they had, if they had ended the scene with before her, before uh, a grit puts her finger up to her mouth, just them mm-hmm. looking at each other, cut to black, go to there, and then they talk about, oh, my God, maybe she yeah, didn't survive. Yeah. It would have been much better. But the idea that we knew she had survived, mm-hmm. or at least survived that part yeah. of it. That would have been yeah. frustrating tension just leaving that unresolved. But uh, I agree it would have made that other conversation flow a little better, feel a little bit more worthwhile. I didn't hate right. it, but you, you have a point. Yeah. That it, was, it did feel a little bit awkward. I yes. thought it kind of showed how far they've come. You know, I was completely expecting them to say, would you just shut the fuck up? We got bigger things to worry about. But they were kind, you know, yeah. they've come together. They're really friends. That's true. Uh, that is true. Uh, and everybody else was kind, whereas John was just like, he's just thinking about the what's coming. He doesn't really r- make any sort of comments about, um, you know, Gilly and baby Sam. He's yeah. just thinking about well, John's big picture yeah. guy. Yes, yeah. he is. Uh, but yeah, so after that discussion, they, uh, they talk further about the, um, the threat, uh, Molestown, if they've hit Molestown, the wall must be next. Uh, they bring up the hundred thousand men, uh, again, whereas there's just 105, oops, 102, uh, at the <laughs> yeah. wall, uh, after, you know, naming the three dead, uh, men of the watch. Yeah. The idea that, that that three men of the watch would have been allowed to leave when they're at high alert to get killed in Molestown wasn't quite uh I don't uh, think they were allowed. Uh, well, yeah. I think they made it explicit. They weren't supposed yeah. to go. Right. Which also just raises the question, uh, like you were joking earlier, it's like they saw it on CNN. Like, how how did they actually find out? Like, did someone else sneak out when they weren't <laughs> supposed to? And then it's like, came back, it's right. like, um, I have mixed feelings about telling you this because it Im- implicates me, but everyone's <laughs> dead in Moltown. Yes. I kind of thought that was important, so hopefully you won't punish me because yeah. I'm being honest. <laughs> they could have had a whole scene about that. Oh. <laughs> and B-Fit says uh, she is a she, not a he. So thanks for that correction. I will not uh, I will not say he anymore. Good to know, but that's what you get when you only put an initial. <laughs> yes. Um... Yes, so they talk about the 100,000, um, and then we finally get a good joke from uh, Ed, or one of his comments, um, about if I'm, you know, whoever's the last uh, alive, please burn us, because when I'm done with this world, I really don't want to come back. Um, how much do we all love Dolores, Ed? He's pretty great. Or yes. Dolores, Ed. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Dolores. Dolores. Love him. Yes. Although I don't think they actually yeah. call him that. They yeah, all, I, I think they only ever say Ed in the show. Yeah. Uh, we know he's Dolores Ed from the book. Yeah. But. Yeah. 
awesome. um, and this actor is great for him. Yes, yeah. I like everybody. Um, everybody that's those actors playing uh, Pip and Gren and uh, Ed. Um, so we cut from there. Unless somebody want, had anything else to uh, talk about with uh, Castle Black, uh, we cut to Marine, um, where we open with uh, some of the romance in the episode. Uh, we got the 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 man jumping into the water, which or people jumping in the water. So you're sort of confused as to what's going on at first, and then they show a gray worm popping out from uh, underneath the water, and uh, he sees. Uh, a naked Missandei. Um, yes, uh, been waiting for that for a couple seasons. When were they? Gonna, <laughs> when were they going to get her naked? Uh, HBO, come on! But uh, yes, uh, he was uh, interested, as they point out later. Um, but then they catch, uh, they make eye contact. He gets embarrassed and slips under the water. Mm-hmm. After I, a, a, I did like, want to just observe how, for someone who's claiming to be shy later. <laughs> the, the two bathing sites seemed pretty close together. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I like yeah. the, the, um, I guess what we, what would you call it? The, the sort of position of power of her standing up and sort of, you know, showing, you know, n- before covering up, so, you know, not being shy. Uh, yeah. But, well, uh, I'm, I'm also going to, call shenanigans just on yes. the fact that Mitande, <laughs> handmaiden to the queen in a big city is washing in a river outside of town with other maids or something like why yes. why does she not have her own bathroom mm-hmm. answer she does and she likes it therefore she has <laughs> nothing to complain about i don't think she was complaining wow. she just wanted some advice <laughs> but I think uh, I know, yes. I'm, I'm teasing really. I, know, I think it's, it's just a show contrivance as well. Yeah. And I think <laughs> that uh, again, we can call shenanigans because if you're taking a bath in a river right by all the unsullied, don't tell me you're not going to see one of them naked yeah. enough to tell what body parts they may or may not have. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's why she's taking a bath there. She's like, oh, maybe I'll see a little gray worm. And then. We're bringing it back. Um, <laughs> but but then he looks at her like, I think part of the thing is she just assumed he wouldn't be interested. And the moment she realized, oh, my God, he's actually interested. Then she's oh, like, I think I think she was, I think she was just confirming. I think she knew yeah. when, when their hands sort of touched, touched. Well, her yeah, yeah. Lesson, but yeah. Well, yeah. And she but didn't think, completely cover herself. It was more like. A nod that this is inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, and well, and I yeah. think the distinction is too that a little bit like Daenerys had made this mistake. There was maybe an assumption that even if there's growing affection and respect, she had maybe just thought that well, they're castrated, therefore there couldn't possibly be any romantic mm-hmm. interest, and it was just sort of a uh, it's a preconception that has mm-hmm. now been proven to not be accurate. Which, right. you know, any, I think, rational thinking person could probably envision that it wouldn't be accurate. But yeah. now that yeah, said, yeah. it does potentially present some difficulties to any future romantic relationship they might have. Yeah. Not unsurmountable ones, necessarily. But uh, I mean, I think, uh, that, I mean, it also points out the idea that uh, 
just some of the awkwardness of the writing of this episode, which I'll bring up again and again. Um, there, the last episode, a- last episode they had the, or whenever it was when they had the, um, uh, excuse me, the lesson, the language lesson, and she and Daenerys walks in, and it's obvious that she has this look on her face, like, "Oh, look at you two! Um, what's going on here? <laughs> like, you guys look like you're on a little date." Type look in her eyes, and sort of has a little comment. And then, um, you know, here it's like when 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 Masande says, "Oh, I think he's interested," and she's like, "Hmm," like it's the first time it ever crossed her mind that that there could be interest between them. Um, Oh, you mean I shouldn't have been walking around naked in their ranks? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there, there is a plot line for Daenerys that they've kind of ignored in the show. Which that makes I think, me very sad. I know. <laughs> it makes many of us very sad. Um, but I think that plot point would be very beneficial for Miss Sandy to realize how her and Grey Worm's relationship can work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. Even though she's a uh, pretty young in the book, there's. Uh, I guess she's some... not young in the show. No, I know, I know. I'm just saying, <laughs> even though she is young in the book, yeah. I th- wasn't there more of a, at least a an instructional relationship between uh, Danny and her? Was maybe? that with Miss Sandy or? Well, other maybe it wasn't Miss Sandy. Maybe it was other yeah. people, but I don't know. Yeah, in the first season, there was. Yeah, we had one uh, who taught her how to please Drogo. Doria, Doria <laughs> teaching her. Uh, her thing. So, uh, Bfit says, I like the relationship between Grey Worm and Masande, not in the mm-hmm. books, but brilliant in the show. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I, agree. I like it. I actually, it's- yeah, I, I, I was worried about it the first, you know, the first time they had a scene together where it was like, okay, what are they doing? But I did, I did like how, uh, what they did and how they did it in this episode. So, I, yeah. I find that I, I think just in general, I think. I find that I'm watching the show almost more for interest in the scenes that are not in the book or different from in the book. Maybe just a little bit of it just because, you know, stuff that's the same. It's like, well, there's no sense of surprise necessarily there if it's the same as what I expected in the book. But I guess I I, I think a lot of people, when they see an adaptation like this, they, they can't wait to see visually something that they've experienced already in the books, but I, I'm finding I enjoy the additions almost more. Mm-hmm. I agree. Agreed. Agreed. So uh, we had the scene, uh, which we mentioned earlier with uh, Danny and Miss Andy talking about, you know, what happened at the, at the river and then uh, cut to the um, throne room, I guess, where uh, Miss Andy is uh, walking around. I don't know, cleaning the stairs. I have no idea what she was doing there, but uh, <laughs> Grey Worm comes in and uh, apologize, apologizes. They have a little interchange or exchange in first Valerian and then uh, changing to uh, the common tongue uh, where they have a little correction of I to me, but then uh, uh, Grey Worm uses the term precious, which, uh, you know, we hear the first uh, mention of Jorah saying, oh, Jorah taught me that word. Or the Andal taught me that word. Whatever he said. He said Jorah the Andal. Thank you. I was right both ways. Uh, (laughs) I was wondering what was Jorah's description for Precious and like how did that come up? (laughs) Well, yeah, you just like there's only one thing we can immediately come to mind that Jorah would call Precious, right? Hmm. I I, I don't know that he necessarily said that, but it's certainly what comes to mind. 
Yeah. I, I sort of took it as actually Grey Worm has been talking to Jorah mm. about, I like her, you know, I feel, you know, and maybe he said, well, you know, something you can say is she is precious or, you know, mm-hmm. sort of giving mm-hmm. him advice on words to use to describe Missandei. Yeah. But how do you describe this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, they, uh, pretty much the conclusion of that being that they both uh, pretty much say, uh, you know, while he was sorry for staring, they both didn't mind the fact that they were <laughs> staring at <laughs> each other. So it was very sweet. And then all I could think of is, Oh fuck, which one's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's usually what happens the next uh, episode, right? You know, you know what actually came to mind uh, went just in terms of the sort of the end point of their negotiation is the fifth element before Lilu speaks English. And so Bruce Willis kisses her and she slaps him and says something. And mm-hmm. he asks the priest is like, what did she say? He said, he said, never without my permission. He's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I get it. So we come back to, to uh, Marine later, but let's go over to Moat Kalen uh, where, um, bunch of uh, of uh, the Bolton men are there with Ramsey and uh, Reek in his Greyjoy uh, breastplate and Kraken talks about the Kraken. A good line, I think, from the books about Krakens out of water not being able to, you know, stand up under its own weight type uh, mm-hmm. stuff. Um, they, you know pretty much tells them the plan or at least most of it being that you're, you know, look like a Lord, but keeps belittling him, belittling him at the same time saying you're not worth anything. And, you know, you're going to be always until you're rotting in the ground. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, cuts to him, right. Or Theon, uh, riding on a horse up to the, uh, up to the gates, uh, the ironborn, uh, ask him who he is, uh, and then it cuts to inside. He doesn't, you know, say who he is, but uh, they let him in, and then he starts talking to Kenning, um, and goes from there. Uh, any, what did you think about this scene, Christiana? I first want to just say, you know, uh, Alfie Allen, who portrays Theon. I mean, we've admired his performance in the past, although maybe not as much recently just on the basis that you know what he's been going through as a character is sort of less fun um but i think just his he conveyed all the the shades of what was going on there which is that he is terrified at the prospect of pretending to be theon because it's it again, it, it feels like a trap or something. And it's also, there's got to be this element of, you know, maybe buried very deeply is what if I can't even pretend to be Theon anymore? Like, does that just prove that I'm really only Reek? And yet I think that's probably very deeply buried. And at the forefront of his mind is a, if I screw this up, Ramsey will hurt me. But also, B, what if this is a trap that he's only asking me to do this so that he'll have an excuse to hurt me? Right. 
And I think those are probably the forefront at a, of his mind, but there's probably that other layer in beneath. And I think all of that really just comes through because he'll have these space of a few seconds where he looks almost just like Theon used to, but then the instant it's questioned, you see just like, you know, mm-hmm. you, you see like all the strength crumble away behind his eyes and, and he starts mumbling to himself. And <laughs> Yeah, uh, and we, we've talked before about, you know, earning either actors or characters earning what they're, you know, what, where they are. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk more about, but, you know, Sansa really, I think earns what happens to her later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I agree that Theon Reek has earned what he did in this episode, you know, that it's a culmination of all of that. Cause we were having, I mean, I had problems some with, you know, the idea of, you know, the torture, whatever, and just the extended pieces of that. But, um, you know, I think that the, the end may not completely justify the means of, of all of the different things that we had to watch last season, but it did, uh, you at least, I think by accept what he's able to do the idea that, you know, if you're reading a book or reading, you know, and you get to a point, you're like, Oh God, you know, you could, the idea that he is, I'm Theon. Oh, this Reek thing, you know, whatever, but I'm Theon. But the idea that he has actually gone over so far into that, he, you know, it is believable, like you were saying. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think he, he earned it. Um, anybody else had any no, direct Moe Galen's a shithole. Yeah. yeah <laughs> not, one wow. of those great places. You got to use the road to get a... <laughs> Get around it, not quite yeah. as much as the the twins, but uh, I I just love the whole bit of we're not doing this. You talk of honor, cowardice, blah blah blah. Blah. <laughs> so you say we'll live. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> and then and then of course they actually thought I was going to let them live. Oh, yeah. we're not. Do well, that. what's great too is just how close a parallel that is to when Theon lost at Winterfell before mm. this whole thing of like. They offer to surrender. It's like, if you don't fight, we'll let you leave and live. And at that point, Theon was the one that said, no, we will fight with honor. We will go down. Mm-hmm. You know, we will yep. die trying, defending this place in honor. And then someone hits him in the head from behind. <laughs> right. And and the, so he's betrayed. And then Ramsey plays everybody who's thought they were going to get away anyway. And so it's kind of exactly the same thing, except exactly. that now he's on the other side. And I don't think that that parallel is lost on him either. Yep. No, I do like the idea that, um, that he, he doesn't lie at first. He's like, uh, you know, the Boltons will treat you the same respect they have treated me, <laughs> you know, and up to that point, he's not lying. And then the guy starts questioning. He's like, no, you'll, you know, just give up surrender and you'll be able to, you know, you'll be taken to, wherever that port is and you'll be mm-hmm. able to go home. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, um, I think that that was, that was sort of, well, uh, yeah, the, these, this idea of like you fought with honor, but lost only a, like only a whipped dog would say that. And I think the instant he said that that's when Theon started to lose it altogether. And I think it was only because it was sort of a slow motion meltdown. Was there time enough for the, the guy's, second in command to put an axe in his head yeah. before before Theon just crumbled entirely. 
Totally. Yeah, he was close. Yeah, I mean, he was mumbling to oh, himself. Yeah, he was mumbling. The, the, yeah. the lip quiver. I'm just it's like a dagger in the heart. Oh. <laughs> uh, B-Fitz asks a question. Um, I'm not sure ex- what, in what context. He asks, especially Chooch, what do you guys think about Theon? Chooch, answer this, please. You mean overall? Um, yeah. Where he is now? I was I was hoping that doing the pretend Theon would pull him back. And he's clearly, you know, completely trained and um yeah. I don't know. Notice he's not getting a bath now and uh <laughs> he's, he's just reek. <laughs> he got a bath when he had to be a lord. Yep. Um I mean I th- I, I think like a lot of characters and you know, that we've seen it's, it's interesting that we've gotten to the point where we're, you know, I, I definitely rooting for him at least not to just, you know, die to somehow break out of this. Whereas, you know, a couple seasons ago, we hated him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then they do that with a lot of characters in, in the, in the books, in the show. So, uh, I do, uh, like him, you know, don't want him to suffer or die. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. And like his sister said, you know, my brother is dead. So, and I think this, yeah. that brings it pretty much. Yeah. Theon's gone. Uh, and Sheriff Bullock uh, responds to what we said earlier about Mo Kalen looking like a nasty place. He says, Hey, my father. <laughs> so father from Mo Kalen and mom from Molestown. That's a good, that good explains a lot there. actually. Yeah. yeah, it does. <laughs> Uh, and Mike McCauley uh, sort of matches what you were saying earlier. Still mm-hmm. one, there's still that one part of me that hoping Theon would cross back over to the sane side. Yeah, it's. And then you yeah, hope he it, wouldn't be a dick anymore. Well, and it's interesting too, just because um, I think I, you know, I I have a theory, and this is you know, I don't know this for a fact, but I wouldn't be a bit surprised if this was really the last we see of Ramsay and Theon for the season. You know, there's only two episodes left, um, and they've got plenty of other stuff to cover. And this this scene in this this bit in this episode really felt kind of like a cap to the the, the theme of this season, right? And so um, I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised. But and to that extent, that also where they're at right now again, without getting too spoilery, but we've talked in the past about how all this stuff with Ramsey and Theon as Reek, all the stuff we've seen up to this point was not shown in the book. It's only implied later in, you know, not even in flashback, but just referred to as something that happened previously. But we're kind of about caught up to that. Mm. And so really, in some ways, um, they the characters are now at where they actually show up again in the books. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so from there, we go over to the Aerie, um, where I had a little problem with, with just Peter's sort of, I don't know, just being, being so subdued and sort of like, like he had no plan. Yeah that he, you know, obviously one of his goals, whether it was, it might've been pushed ahead of schedule, but obviously one of his goals was to get rid of 
uh, Lysa and the idea that there wouldn't be repercussions or questions and the idea that he's just sitting there having to hope that he's going to be saved or that, um, you know, uh, Sansa is going to back him up without having, you know, not having talked to her at all, you know, just sort of came across as not Peter Baelish um, as a character. Yeah. I mean, the impression I got was they're trying to imply that he just sort of thought that he would be more successful at just talking his way out of it. And he was finding that they were even less receptive than he expected. But I agree that just, it seems, but at the same time, it's also, I think what it maybe does is, you know, we had some theories last, you know, when we talked about what happened last time about this idea did he stage this kiss in such a way that he expected to be seen and in order to sort of provoke this confrontation, I suspect that this is kind of more indication that, um, that was maybe not the case. And it was really sort of a very, it was an uncharacteristically impulsive decision, um, for him to actually push her that way. And that although he had maybe had long-term plans of getting rid of her, he accelerated it because of how crazy right. she was being. Yeah, I sort of take it to the extent of I think it was a little bit of lazy writing that it was we wanted to give Sansa this her moment of her her culmination of you know showing that she's learned that she can play the game, that she can lie, all of those things. And in order to do that, we had to put Peter in a corner and put him in danger to have her be able to do this. And so, you know, the idea that, that Peter Baelish would, you know, find himself in this situation doesn't quite play into how his character has shown to be resourceful and whatever from the beginning of the show. Yeah. With but, all of his long-term planning, there's no way he planned on getting there, marrying her and killing her within a few days. Yeah. Cause it's, just, and it's, it's not too like, obvious. And it's not like that these, uh, that, you know, Royce uh, and, you know, these, these three family you know, that they were in the castle when this happened. It had to be weeks before or however long it would be for them to travel there and start questioning him. You know, the idea that they haven't gotten a story together before this time that she's, they said it was three days. Okay. Mm -hmm. so three days, Wait, even three days that they wouldn't, you know, come up with a plan to, you know, well, I think the plan was he was just going to talk his way out of it. And he was just finding that they weren't willing to listen to him. Right. Yeah, he looked but, cool as a cucumber to me. He's just, you know, he's got an answer for everything. And then when they said, you know, about the cousin or niece or whatever, and, you know, we I think all he get was her, we yeah. don't want it, uh, you know, adultered or whatever. And, and I, my thought was immediately, oh, well, pff, we've already talked because how yeah. could they not have? Um, the, the whole timing on this whole storyline is just bonkers. Because if you think about the fact that, so Sansa left King's Landing. She traveled up to the air with um, the Irie, however you say it. I'm horrible with pronunciation. Uh, with Peter. Uh, went through the whole thing. Uh, Peter got married. Peter kissed her. Lysa out the moon door. All of this happening. And Tyrion's still sitting in jail and the, the whole thing hasn't, you know, his trial by combat hasn't even happened. So everything with timing here is just crazy bananas um well not necessarily like because like they 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 had to recall the mountain to king's landing for him sure. to be that champion 
Uh, I, did, I definitely get the impression that Tyrion has been in jail. It's not just been a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. It I agree. It's, I mean, uneven. they're fuzzing, but I, I, yeah. I, I feel like there's, they, you, there's, there's in-universe explanations that you can, you can give. <laughs> I think what, what's more than that, I, I was, I'm less bothered by that than just the fact that the actual amount of time it takes to travel anywhere is <laughs> plot variable. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so we have the discussion, um, with Littlefinger before they bring in, uh, Elaine, uh, and then, um, mm-hmm. she, uh, starts telling her side of the story and then, um, don't know. gloss over the fact that she tells, she tells them who she is. Yes. No, really? I was going to yeah. say she, she sort of goes along with the story for a minute about being uh-huh. Elaine, but then stops says i have to uh tell the truth here mm-hmm. and says i'm sansa stark eldest daughter of you know lord edder stark and then talks to lord royce and says uh notes that they met at winterfell when he was escorting his son sir waymer to the wall Chooch, do you remember who sir waymer was nope Waymer is the first person that dies, or just maybe the second person that dies uh, in the show. He was the mm-hmm. one that w- was ranging outside of the wall uh, okay. and was killed by the uh, the first other that we see. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. that was a good um, callback. One, like yeah, that's no, that's a good catch. I didn't, I didn't, even, I hadn't even grasped that. But I, I, she didn't tell them who she was in in the books. That's different. Mm-hmm. But what's what's mm-hmm. funny too is that using the detail that she had met that one guy, that's actually from the books. But in the book, what she what it was is her telling Baelish that's like, I'm worried he's gonna recognize me because I met him mm-hmm. once. And mm-hmm. he's basically just saying, Don't worry, your hair's different color because we, we colored it and you're older, he won't remember. Mm-hmm. And but so it's an interesting detail that they took that detail from the books but used it in a completely different way <laughs> by having her actually explain who she was at this point, which had not happened in the books. And yet I thought that it was worked pretty effectively because what it allowed her to do is they all knew Peter was lying about some stuff. And it was the, the where they were at was like, we know he's lying about some things, so maybe he's lying about everything because we have no idea why he's lying or what his motivations are. It's all very suspicious. But then when she gives an explanation to say he's lied a bunch, but it was to protect me. And mm-hmm. so all of a sudden that gives this alternate way of looking at everything that he's done up to this point that makes it seem noble and not shady. Yeah, Which and it, I thought it, was very it, necessary because if she was really his niece, why would they believe what she says? You know, yeah. she's a completely uncredible witness, but if she's Sansa Stark, mm-hmm. you know, she's a, a credible witness. Yeah. One other thing we should probably note in terms of a difference from the, the book is it's a little extra complicated for Peter here because in the book, there was another guy in the room when the, all this happened it was this, uh, this traveling singer Gosh. that had weaseled his way yeah. into the court he was kind of a sleazeball in general, but basically he became the scapegoat, even though he was really just standing there not doing anything. Basically, what happens is Peter shoves Lysa and then calls the guards and says, hey, guards, this guy just <laughs> killed Lysa. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It was really great. Um, yeah. 
the other thing is um, bringing up that she's Sansa Stark is it brings back something that we often forget, especially in the series, is that that is where Ned grew up. So yeah, yeah. she has very good reason to trust and to get the, the, the people, the lords of the Vale on her side mm-hmm. because they all remember Ned. And we remember the North's loyalty to Ned. Um, he was a strong and honorable person, so his personality carried a lot of weight. Well, the same is said for what happens in the Vale. I mean, heck, the two boys that grew up in the Vale started a rebellion and took over the kingdom, and, and the Vale supported them. You know, and and half the kingdom supported them. So, it, it Ned's personality and his name still carries weight, even though the Lannisters labeled him a traitor. There's still so many people in the realm that trust him and trust well, yeah. that name. Well, and and as they said, you know, like when when Peter he skillfully implies that maybe they're on the side of the Lannisters, specifically so that the reaction will be. No, we're not with the Lannisters yeah. implication. We're actually with you because you're also not with the Lannisters. <laughs> yeah. So he, of my enemy he tricks like them into essentially saying they're on his side yeah. just because they he characterizes the Lannisters as the only other side anyone can be on. Yeah. And the other thing that, to note about this see, scene and the whole thing about don't you remember you met me when you brought your son north is how the Lord's don't pay attention to kids and how it will identifying the Stark children is going to be very tricky in this world. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, nobody knows what Ari Stark looks like. Nobody knows what Sansa Stark looks like. Nobody's been paying attention. So who are you going to get to say that these people are who they say they are? There are no birth certificates. Mm-hmm. Their, their maester and their, their septa have been killed. There's no one that can say, oh, yeah, this is exactly those people. It's mm-hmm. all hearsay now. Right. So that would well, be true it, yeah. about, you know, Bran, Rickon, Arya, and Sansa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have, um, you know, her telling her side of the story. She says who she is and then um, does what she does well, which is tell the truth for most of this story. And, you know, some of the things are damning to... Uh, to Peter as, as, um, uh, sorry, I'm trying to find the, this, the funny line. Uh, da, 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 da. yes. Um, the Mike McCauley says in the Q and a that, uh, the look on Peter's face was epic when Sansa revealed who she really was drawer, drawer changing, time, underwear changing time. <laughs> I'll just change that. Cause that's not a fun word to say. Um, but yes, you know, and then she bring he gets to the she gets to the point where she says yes, and, <laughs> and Peter kissed me, um, and but then all of a sudden, boom, she 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 finally shows she can play the game just like everybody else, and you yeah. know, says, oh, it was just a peck on the cheek, mm-hmm. um, you know that when they were arguing in front of the moon door, that Peter was trying to talk talk her down and and calm her down, and then uh, you know that she threw herself off. Um, and then you have the hug, uh, with lady, uh, what's her name? Um, Anya, lady doesn't matter. <laughs> lady doesn't matter. Do, do you know who played her? She seemed, the actress seemed really familiar. I yeah, she did. She, uh, but she, uh, you know, hugging her and then turns in such a way that she's able to look at Peter and give him the, the eyes to say, ha, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the uh, 
Nailed it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mike McCauley. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then uh, Mike McCauley says, sounds of testimony and look at little finger to little finger during the hug was a nice display of a power shift. Um, yes. I thought that was as well earned as any character uh, growth in the show. As far as getting to that point, what yeah. I, and we'll get to it later. One thing I didn't like as far as character growth is the outrageous outfit she wore later. Oh, come on. That was the best part. Yeah. Uh, she went super full no. on supervillain. I know. That's what I'm saying. She's that was She was over the top. Come on. Like, no, she, she, yeah, she, she basically is literally halfway between her mother, Catelyn and Maleficent. I know. And that's, I know. And, and, so, and, and not only that, but did you notice the shoulder stuff was like all feathers? So it's like an like honor, of, feathers. It's yeah. honor of Baelish, who's like the his mockingbird, mm-hmm. you know, bird motif in the area yes. and so all that. And the and dark so hair. And the I thought thing. that that was great because I think when he has the follow up conversation with her, that was I, so the lie was one thing. Yes. But her handling of him. Yes. Yeah, we skipped that. Was so that was so skillfully handled on her part that I was I I felt that earned the dress, which I loved. So just first of all, this whole thing of like she doesn't even make eye contact. She doesn't look up from her needlepoint or whatever the hell she's doing. And uh, you know, he's like, you know, so why did you help me? It's like, well, if they threw you out the moon door, what would they do with me? I'm not sure. Neither was I. And she's just like not even looking <laughs> at him. And and then that whole bit of, you know, like, you know, why why would you trust me is like, because well, I know what you want. And he's like, do you? And then they just have this great stare down. And then yeah. it's like, okay, good. We're partners now. Awesome. Yeah, which was better because I thought she was going to say everything because that's what he had yeah. said. But that was even better, just that story. But but back before that, when he's like exonerated and you now he's talking to the Lords of the Vale, I'm like, oh yeah, and you know I think Robin really needs to spread his wings and get out there. And I'm like, fuck, he's going balls deep. I mean, he just nearly <laughs> yeah. was found guilty of killing somebody. Yeah, and let's uh, let's goes all in, the, uh, man. The, the frail little boy who has never left the castle out where all the uh, dangerous hill people are. Yeah. That's yeah. Good. Sounds good to me. Yeah. And uh, then when so- Sansa walks down in that outfit, I'm like, fuck, she's going balls deep too. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was so happy when I saw that. I was just like, Oh, that's so great. I will let you enjoy that. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Well, good because you couldn't stop me. Even yeah, I couldn't you stop you. Yeah, but uh, I just thought I was just like, oh god, however the top is that. That's all. So, uh, B Fitz had a really cool comment in the uh, Q and A there, by the way, um, which I, I just think has to be mentioned. It's uh, during the whole scene with with Peter, not really on trial, but the questioning, mm-hmm. and it's you know Peter's like, holy shit, this isn't what happened in the books. What do yeah, I do yeah. now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Very good. Maybe that's why Peter's always a step ahead of everybody's. He got He's to read, read the books. Oh, yeah, oh, that explains everything. <laughs> yes, we had uh, B. Fitz saying uh, Sansa, the evil queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had um, the black dress screams. I am now officially badass. Mike McCauley said she could have sang "Let It Go." You know, oh, talking yeah. to her, like oh, you know, all my family's dead, but my daughter, my, 
my daughter has sang that 20, 20 times over the weekend. I still haven't seen the Dagon movie, and she's singing that in my ear. Oh, well, you should see it because it's awesome. I, I, I bought it for uh, – we went on a, like a six-hour drive uh, to my dad's this weekend, and they watched it. I mean, they've seen it probably 10 other times, but they watched it like three times. So I've heard the entire movie from the front seat. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Shira Pollock says, Sansa has entered the, her goth phase, and I love it. <laughs> I totally so want to cosplay that I now. am the only one that, uh, yeah, thought that that was a little over the top. Yes, and uh, Bifit says uh, uh, Peter's line, which I thought was was very funny. The let's throw Robin from the nest. Um, <laughs> just the way he sort of paused before he said it, like, hey, I'm making a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true, too. <laughs> Uh, Mike McCauley said earlier, Sansa also seems to be displaying her thirst for power again, first with Joffrey, uh, but that was more, I want to be his princess and have his babies. Yeah. <laughs> now with Peter, I'm starting Sorry. to really ho- enjoy her character development this season. A thirst for survival. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, feel like, I feel like Sansa in the show is becoming what Cersei was afraid Sansa would be. Hmm. Mm. Which I, is awesome. I, you know, it that's interesting. I, I I hadn't ever thought of it like that, but you might be right. See, I had always kind of thought of it like Cersei was too narcissistic to ever see anybody as able to do anything other than bat their eyelashes and use sex appeal because that's all she's able to do. Or, you know, it's not really, but I think that's kind of how she projects that. Mm-hmm. And and so that's how I had always taken it. But you, so you think she actually saw that that manipulative type of potential in Sansa? Well, I don't want to get into spoilers or anything. But when we get Cersei chapters, we get inside her head, and we realize why she hates Sansa, why she hates Marjorie, mm-hmm. and her very real fears because of this thing that happened oh, when yeah. she was a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of that. I wonder if they'll even will they even do that though in the in the show. I don't I, know. It doesn't seem like they will. They don't do flashbacks. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, she could tell the story, I suppose, but like, yeah. I, like, who would she tell the story to? I don't know. She doesn't trust anyone. Yeah. Unless, unless, unless that Dornish woman does come into the show eventually. Mm. Well, what they actually could do is they could have Valeria stand, stick around, I mean, because they've got an actress. I mean, it would be a little hard to justify why she's okay with hanging out with Cersei after all this. But yeah. well, why Cersei would hang out with her? She's, she's like, she's gonna, gonna be, kill uh, me one night. Nah, she's gonna be screaming for the next three years. I think. Uh, oh my yeah. god, oh. never. She'll she'll wake up screaming. <laughs> yeah. You know, decades from now. Uh, so uh, let's jump over to Marine. Um, we have. Yes, back to Marine, sorry. Just to be um, a little bit pedantic, you know, I just, I know you wouldn't want... You love correcting like me. You love correcting me, which is fine. Uh, we have uh, Barristan looking on as they're taking down the bodies of uh, the crucified uh, uh, masters. Um, starts to go back up to uh, to wherever he's going, and um, yeah, the Amirani's boy or some boy, maybe the same boy that was handing out pardons in season two. Um, or season one, they, uh, you know, gave, he gives Barristan a, uh, a scroll with the hand of the King and, uh, Mormon asks what it is. And, 
uh, kid runs away. He looks at it, um, you know, has a look on his face, and then goes to talk to uh, Jorah. Gives him the the scroll and says, um, you know, you know, or they both read it, and um, um, or Mormon asks what it is. He says it's a royal pardon, mm-hmm. and then he asks him, you know, straight out, were you spying on Daenerys? Um, and then, uh, you know, basically said that, you know, he wanted to give it to him first, not go behind his back because mm-hmm. they're knights and they are honorable. <laughs> I, so I want to just briefly call another minor. Yes. Plot shenanigan, miss nitpick sort of thing. <laughs> How in the world did they send a new copy of the pardon from years ago that was signed by Robert Baratheon. It was a fax. Oh, okay. They just, they, 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 it was still in the memory. Yeah. No, maybe it was the same kid and he was still just same carrying kid. it around. Carrying when around. Didn't exactly. take well, they yeah. issue pardons in triplicate, right? So like, you know, there was an extra one. Yeah. The fact that it was signed by Robert Baratheon and well, they made that point was a little much. The the implication when we last saw the, them talk about it with Tywin was that Tywin was going to write some sort of a letter. And it would be one thing for Tywin to write a letter to say, we know that Jorah did this. But obviously, the actual pardon signed by Robert Baratheon har- carries a lot more weight. But again, like, how would they actually have that? that they could send that I was a little dubious about. I don't care a lot, but I did wonder. I did think it's like, eh, that's a little. I, the only explanation is it's the same kid. You know, when Jorah didn't take it the last time, the same kid just been had it in his pocket <laughs> since then. Yeah. It was a little confusing because it seemed like it was implied like Jorah had never seen it or like finally a pardon or I, I don't know. I, it, it it clouded the the actor's emotions to me, but as you say, it's a minor thing. Yeah, and I think it, it also bothered me a little. And I don't know if they truly established, but Barristan already knew that there was something. Am I wrong about this? Was it ever was it established that Barristan knew mm. that there was something with Jorah, the or did he just very- not? trust him in in the show they made it very clear that um he wasn't in those council meetings mm-hmm. um yeah. whereas in the books he did know but, yeah, but couldn't that's, say that's, because yeah. he was still in secret he yeah that's uh, that's i'm just confusing him with books so yeah, yeah. You're, you're right you're right oh yeah so that didn't bother me but yeah the just the the uh, uh what christiana said about the the idea that a, a pardon with Robert's signature would be, you know, floating around that they could get there. Um, was a little much, but um, he he can do whatever. Yeah, Varys made <laughs> copies. He had him sign three of them, uh, triplicate, like you said. Um, so you know, but the the one line there saying, "Oh, can I?" or Jorah says, "Can I speak to Daenerys privately?" And uh, Barristan said, "You will never be alone with Daenerys again." Mm-hmm. Uh, later, they are in the throne room. Um, he walks up, puts his hands behind his back and, um, you know, asks to speak alone. She refuses. They go through their story. Um, you know, you're sort of wondering, okay, is he going to lie? And, uh, he tells the truth and 
you know, you're sort of like, well, maybe, maybe it will be some forgiveness here. You know, he did you know, all this stuff, but then once they got to, did you tell them that I was carrying Drogo's unborn child? That was it. So yeah, yeah. I thought they, I thought they played that well as far as, uh, you know, her, you know, it's like, oh, she's, he's been supporting her for so long, but the idea that, you know, maybe she, she could have forgiven him for some things, but putting the baby in danger and then, uh, you know, Catching the catching the poisoned wine. Well, the other thing, too, I think was just that was like even on top of just the element of like that was the detail that prompted Robert to send (laughs) send the assassin. Right. I mean, that was the thing that was the last straw that he couldn't deal with anymore was. And now she's going to have a baby. Um, But the other aspect of it was, too. Like that was after the two of them had had this friendship growing. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like they had been, you know, traveling together with Drogo. He had been offering her advice and looking after her. And even then he was still reporting, yeah. especially yeah. this detail that he knew would be such a big deal. Yeah, everything was based on a lie. Yeah. Had, had reporting stopped, you know, before they they had gotten to that point, I think she could have forgiven him and said, well, you know, we, we built a friendship. So he stopped and he made the choice. Um, mm-hmm. But I agree. You know, he had already been her friend. He had been through so much with her. You know, how could he still be reporting on that? And then when he found out she was pregnant and he reported that, it's just he when you reporting that you would know that that is a death sentence. So she just can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, B fits, uh, having a little trouble in the Q and a, uh, <laughs> first she said, poor Jora. And then so it was trying to tell me something and then said, Oh fuck, never mind. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, if you want to retype your statement or question, uh, maybe it was just poor Jora. I don't know. Tywin yeah. forged it. And then she said Tywin forged it, which is yeah, you know, possible I, well, that that was it. So that is one of the, the other things, you know, we sometimes talk about the Ravens being, you know, Westeros Twitter or whatever, but that's, that's the other thing that I've always found a little bit mysterious about the idea that oh yeah it's signed and there's a seal because nobody could ever possibly create a phony seal well and he died right so where did that ring go i mean it's not like they smelted it they probably well, it was, could, a, it was a ring of the, the seal was it was the hand anyway it wasn't the stag oh, it was, on the outside know. but we didn't see what was on the inside like we saw when um uh robert did that decree with uh ned he used his ring to sign as himself like you know the royal signet ring you know the royal seal yeah. presumably the, he'd be buried with that yeah yeah but you know if i wanted to make sure that things went the way i wanted them to go yeah. i would definitely be stealing that and saying yeah yeah if i need a document it's not like nobody has the ability to cast another ring or yeah they don't have csi <laughs> They don't know how old the apartment is. Yeah. And the idea that, um, you know, if it was, you know, uh, Ravens carrying little messages, that's much different than a scroll. Uh, <laughs> how that got over there. You know, maybe enough, mm-hmm. enough time had passed that a ship could have gotten there. Uh, what have you. So, well, uh, that's, I mean, that's the other thing is that we, we really, 
other than just we're seeing it in the same episodes, for example. We, we don't really have direct confirmation that these are happening contemporaneously. You know what I mean? Yes, the, yes. Um, the, we only get sporadic details where in Westeros they talk about, you know, oh, yeah, she's taken Marine or in in Marine we hear, oh, yeah, Joffrey's dead. You know, like that's those are really the only clues we have at their their respective timelines. Right. Yeah. Agreed. I have a new completely uneducated guess that this isn't the last we'll see of Jorah. I think he'll pop up somewhere like they'll get reports that he's. He's rabble rousing and getting, bringing, still working for Danny and bringing people over to her cause. Ooh. That's my prediction. I like that. He, he, but he had such a good, uh, you know, send off on his horse with the, the, ta- you know, the city behind him. I thought that was mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. 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 Well, the, the thing goodbye. you have to remember, as far as character pairings go, this is the oldest one. This is like the only one where like those two characters met in episode one. And they've really been traveling together ever since then. I don't think we have a single other character pairing where the characters have stayed together that long. Uh, did John and Sam meet in episode one or is that episode? Um, I don't think it was episode no, one. And no. then they also spent a substantial period apart in all yeah. through That's season That's two true. and yeah, you know, almost all of season two and into season three. Yep. yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. We go back to the north, and uh, we have the scene between. I don't think we need to spend too much time on this, but the uh, between Bruce and Ramsey, uh, the idea that the the north is hundreds of miles in all direction, and I run it all. Uh, Bruce says, uh, and then he gets what uh, what uh, other bastards always hope for. I'm sure, which is. Uh, the decree saying that you are no longer a bastard. You are my true born son. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, I like to say that he will, he will uphold the name and the tradition. We know he likes to uphold the traditions. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> I'll traditions are his favorite part. Yes. There have been plenty of jokes on the internet that I think are entirely appropriate about Everything the light touches, just like in Lion King, where Mufasa is telling Simba, it's like everywhere the light touches. That's yeah, that is good. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I tell you, the you know, I didn't, um, I didn't get this until the very end of the scene when it was formally revealed. But just this idea that, oh, we've just had these two characters have this whole momentous conversation, and now where are they going? What's in the distance? Winterfell. Oh, yep. So we got our, we got our new. And he, yeah, because Ramsey says at the end of the earlier scene that you know they'll be going to a new place, or doesn't really yeah. say what it is. He's just like we're going to a new home or what have you. And then uh, mm-hmm. yeah, see seeing the husk of Winterfell in the distance was uh, pretty and awesome. occupied by these guys. The these guys. <laughs> these guys, I hate these uh, guys. Yes, um, <laughs> and you can't even get across how 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 equally weird and that Bruce is uh, in the books. They haven't quite gotten all of that yeah. into his character in the in the show, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Ramsey didn't definitely not fall far from the tree. Uh, yeah, in, in the in the show, he's just much more of like. Like he really 
doesn't kind of care about anybody. He's willing, you know, he's certainly willing to resort to whatever tactics he thinks will be effective. And he's kind of just cold um, in the books, though. He's really strange in other ways, like he's obsessed with uh, leeches. He like he has leeches drawing blood from him all the time. And he speaks in this really weird, whispery voice that everyone's like creeps yeah. everybody out whenever he talks. Because everybody's loud and he'll just. Yep. <laughs> um, doesn't he also have a scent about him? Um, you might be right. I, He's I, always I like bathing that. in something or yeah. rubbing himself with oils or something that smells funny. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But, uh, from here, we went back to the Erie for the sewing scene, so we don't need to rehash that. Although, again, the idea that he asked her, um, I like the the idea. <laughs> yeah, that is bouncing. She, I she, do that. My my chair is a ball. Oh, uh, she uses one <laughs> of those balls for that. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, okay, I got to take the camera off you. I can't. I can't uh, look at my notes. Somebody <laughs> bouncing up and down. <laughs> uh, but uh, that was my secret plan to call attention to it to distract you. Yeah. I <laughs> uh, did like the line where uh, you know, Baelish. Um, Baelish says, "Better the gamble to gamble on the man you know uh, rather than the strangers you don't." Yeah, it was like, oh, more like the devil you know type uh, type line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea that she doesn't answer his question about you know what she wants. Um, well, I I just I still really just liked this aspect of really almost. I, I feel like it's the first time that he respects her as, you know, it's one thing for him to have like affection for her or even skeezy lust for her or thinking that she is a very valuable asset in his plans. But after this conversation and not even just the lie, but also her explanation to him about it is the first time that he's kind of, realizing oh maybe you will be more useful to me than just a pawn that i do whatever i want with maybe i can actually trust you you know to to do things on your own too and just but at the same time this whole poker face contest about um i know what you want do you and then neither of them answer (laughs) (laughs) you know Yep. I, I thought that was great. <laughs> yep, so we have uh the next scene being outside the area. Um in the veil with uh Sandor and Arya. Um, <laughs> great, great end of the scene. I mean good scene overall, but uh the, scene is the so idea great. that uh yeah, the idea that uh uh asking her what makes her happy and she said, Well, killing Polliver and Broge made made me happy. Um, and he's like, so you're upset that you didn't get to kill Joffrey yourself. Um, and then I just, I thought this was a great line talking about the idea that, uh, wish he had been there to watch it, to look in, look in his eyes when he knew it was over. And then <laughs> Sandor says, yeah, you can't beat that look. This <laughs> <laughs> was great. It, you know? Yeah. It was definitely that point. It's like, you know, well, I want to argue, but. Yeah, <laughs> I want to. I want to make fun of you, but yeah, you're right. 
But uh, yeah, they keep going. Uh, Again, the yeah, creepy bonding. The (laughs) idea that poison is a woman's weapon. Um, And I love the idea when she says that you'll never be a great killer um, to him. Um, Mm -hmm. He said she could use a chicken bone to kill Joffrey. Yeah, well, (laughs) it's interesting, this idea that she basically... She basically just calls him on the idea that it's like you're killing people for your ego rather than because you think they need to be dead. And so that's the only reason that you would be disdainful of the means that someone else uses to kill someone that you agree should be dead. And so just this whole and, and so but at the same time, you know, Arya is just continuing this uh, one. um one write-up I saw called it a uh, a pitch drop descent into chaos, referring to that that experiment about how pitch is technically a liquid even though it moves extremely slowly. So you can just have it where it's like it's dripping, but it takes like literally like years to actually make a whole drip that falls. And so just this inevitable but slow moving still descent like into just total I don't know if you want to call it nihilism necessarily, but just this. She she has like this laugh is such <laughs> an indication. Well, for, first of all, I'm sure it's just this tremendous release that she is she's laughing as much at ha ha sounder now you don't even get anything <laughs> as yeah. she is anything else because I think she is actually legitimately kind of stopped actually hoping for mm. some good thing to happen to mm. her and it's more she's more laughing at just the absurdity of like we just came all this way mm-hmm. and it happened again lady Aaron died really, three days ago yeah, yeah. really needs to stop trying to see relatives because she's just killing them all mm-hmm. <laughs> i also like how um when aria her whole argument against the poison is a woman's weapon um she just points out the misogyny in that statement and in Sandra. She's like, you don't care. You're not a good killer. Like, mm-hmm. who cares how it's done? And and women will kill using anything. I am a woman. I will use a chicken bone. And and I think that Arya really believes that there are other women like her out there. Um, and And she really doesn't... Like... Sander still has this block of women don't do these things, even though he keeps getting presented with women that do. And Arya can just sit there going, yeah, your, your outlook is messed up. And so is the entire world. And I just, I, I, the whole scene is just perfect. And then the giggle, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was incredible. Uh, We also, I was was, I was just going to say the, the, the other thing that came out in this conversation was uh, the, the wound on his neck shoulder uh, is not, you know, better. Um, mm-hmm. He's walking says, slow. Uh, he's walking. You're walking a lot slower than you, you have been. And uh, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Uh, you were saying something, Christiana. Uh, well, I think actually I might've been about to say what Chooch was going to say, which is probably let, let's see if I'm right. Wondering why we actually didn't get any follow up to that scene to say, well, even if Lady Aaron is dead, it's not an obvious reason to believe, oh, yeah, so we're going to turn Arya Stark away at the door. 
So right. the the fact that they get all the way to the Erie at this point, it, it, you know, they're they're doing something with that. At the same time, just like why, why I, it, it's one thing if they establish like we don't believe you, but they didn't really do that. They kind of left it unresolved in that mm-hmm. scene. And so what what's the payoff to that? I don't know. I'm, I was although, surprised they although, didn't give us more closure on that. Yeah. Although the hysterical laughter may, may have <laughs> made them think, well, maybe she's not our stark. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the idea is if nothing else, maybe they were able to just turn around and walk away or whatever. But the idea that somebody at least has heard that she is alive and if, you know, mm-hmm. if it is really her, so at least somebody should be notified, you know. Maybe we'll get those two Stark kids together at some point. Mm-hmm. It seems that's half it's, a mile away. She's as a Stark child, she's too important to just let them walk away. Even if she was they were lying. You have to, you know, they mm-hmm. have to follow that up. How could you not? Mhm. Yep. We'll have to uh, see where that goes. Oh, Mike McCauley says my grandmother was born in Winterfell. So <laughs> all sorts of family born in Old man. Years. And then Sheriff Bullock says, stop stealing my jokes, Michael. <laughs> um, yes, and Arya has gone so dark, b says, everyone went dark in this episode. End of part one of A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah. Yeah, but yes. That Although was. part one, see, that calling that end of part one is, that's like the standard structure where I, I don't know that we, I mean, Everyone likes to quote Tyrion's line now, or no, I guess this was Ramsey's line, which is, um, you think this story has a happy ending. You haven't been paying attention. I love her giggle. Uh, when she started laughing, I just, I started clapping. Um, and Maisie just, oh man, she, it looked so sincere. Just the just or the juxtaposition of his yeah. face and her laughing was priceless. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was definitely the highlight of the show. So when are we um, gonna have the all Arya and Sandor show? I mean, really. Oh, we've been I would watch that like crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um after that is the discussion about uh or with Robin, which we already talked about, you know, him convincing him, hey, you're gonna be you know, uh, you're going to be leaving and traveling and he's scared. And, uh, he says that mom's always said that it's only safe at the Erie and Littlefinger points out it wasn't safe for her inside the Erie. Um, and then he's, you know, being his, his happy self with the kid, which is just creepy <laughs> when he's acting happy and helpful. Uh, but he notes that people die at their dinner tables in their beds, even squatting over chamber pots. Uh, mm-hmm. he looks increasingly frightened um but uh he he you know he puts his hands on his shoulders and uh you know that don't worry about death you know worry about life and and you know live your life to the fullest that's what it means to be lord of the veil yada 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 then we get uh you know black raven feathered dress and dark hair and yeah maleficent um, oh, and the way she's silhouetted at the top of the stairs like that that's just classic <laughs> super villain entrance oh my god I loved it so much I'm, 
I'm sorry that you're not able to. Uh, I, I hope that I'm at grumpy. least you're, can say I'm you're, grumpy. you're getting I'm grumpy. some pleasure from my pleasure in it. I, I, yeah, I, definitely. I am very happy <laughs> that you were that happy about that dress because. Well, oh, you know, man. I feel like I don't often enough point out how great the costumes are in this show. Sure, and sure. this one just made me so happy. <laughs> I just, I, yeah, I won't go into it. I'll just say she had a, such a wonderful character moment in the room, you know, with the look at him. And then like the, just the over the top moment was just like, ah, I wish they hadn't done it, but that's just me. Uh, <laughs> so let's go over to King's Landing. Uh, all they cool. all they should have had in in addition is at the end of that scene in her bedroom, um, uh, Peter just has her stand up and he goes, "It's time." And then we have to have the gearing up where she <laughs> she puts it on and we see her, you know, the montage tying her hair back, <laughs> the necklace, shoulder pads, yeah, sure. Maybe like we Batman, a cool little thing on the DVD or something that would be awesome. There we go. <laughs> Uh, so let's cut over to King's Landing for the uh, last 10 minutes of the show, uh, or however long it was, 12 minutes. Um, we've got uh, Tyrion in the cell with his <laughs> brother. Um, they're talking about, uh, you know, the trial by combat and how, uh, you know, that how funny it is or the absurd it is that the gods are judging guilt and innocent by uh, having two men hack at one another. Uh, tells you something about the gods. Then he starts asking about um, Oberyn, you know, Red Viper of Dorne. You don't get a name like that unless you're deadly, right? Um, like, well, he's certainly confident. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tyrion sort of goes from from being hopeful to uh, sort of like being sure that Oberyn's going to die, and that means he's going to die. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. the the overconfidence. Um, uh, then they start talking about. Um, uh, I thought it was uh, the talking about the different types of uh, killing, uh, matricide, patricide, filicide, filicide, yeah, mm-hmm. fratricide, suicide, uh, killing your nephew is uh, nepoticide, and then he's like, there's no kind of killing that doesn't have its own word, and then he, he's like, the killing of cousins, which, of course, Jamie did uh, yeah, in the he cell knows that one, to escape. He's like, yeah, when you kill your cousin. Yeah. <laughs> Good so, one, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, I like that. But then they have the story about Orson, mm-hmm. cousin Orson, and the killing of beetles. Are and, you going to be uh, grumpy about coon, coon, coon? Nope. <laughs> no. Okay, good then. <laughs> I will tell you. I will tell you a complaint in a while. But um, the uh, you know they they go over the story and the idea you know that Orson killed these beetles and Tyrion became obsessed with trying to determine or figure out why Orson was killing these beetles. Uh, and he just went through the whole story of that. Um, and then the funny ending of the story until he was kicked in the chest by a donkey or whatever it was, <laughs> mm-hmm. which was funny. Um, and then, um, yeah, the, so the idea of, uh, that conversation, you know, whether it's sort of the idea of, we're in the situation. We've got to talk about anything else except the elephant in the room of, you know, this trial by combat coming up. Or I guess the idea can be that uh, Orson, the story of Orson is about the idea that Orson, the one thing Orson could control in his life was the killing of these beetles. And now Tyrion has no control over anything in his life, whatever the, you know, the, 
Mm-hmm. But he lets you want to draw. Yes, he does. He lets the Roly Poly <laughs> live. So we should let Tyrion live, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I loved the the scene, despite it not. I mean, it's a little bit like what I was saying earlier in terms of the these additions, as opposed to just the plot scenes, because I feel like it just it adds so much stuff that could easily be. Uh, lost when you adapt to TV because the tendency in a lot of TV or movie adaptations is just just to show the plot and you lose all of the little nuanced character stuff. But what I thought was great about this whole speech is that there's the element, like you said, this idea that maybe Orson's reason was just that that was the only thing that he could control. But I thought that there was just that additional layer, too, of Tyrion has always been the sort of person that wants to understand why something happens. Why did someone do that? Why did this thing happen? Why did that strategy work? He wants to understand these things. That's always been his strong suit is knowing things and thinking about things. But if he can't even figure out why a moron likes to smash beetles, then what hope is there to ever be able to figure out anything ever? And I think he is just, he is really on the cusp of total despair here Mm -hmm. of just feeling like it's not even about like, I'm scared to die right now. It's more just like, like the world is just this like inscrutable malevolent place that bad things keep happening for no reason and there's just no way to ever figure any of it out. And that just seems to be the headspace he's in. And so he's just recollecting this idea that this simple cousin they have who only likes to crush beetles, it seems like that should be something like, if you want to learn how to understand people, that would be like entry level. But even that, just he spent so much time and he couldn't just get any, he got nowhere with it. And just that idea of like wanting to understand why does Cersei hate him so much? Why does Tywin hate him so much? Why do people act the way they do? He's just, he's feeling like he wants to throw up his hands and say like, it's unknowable. And yet his whole life has been about trying to know things. Right. I had no problem with the scene itself. I mean, I, I like the story. I like the, you know, what was going on. One of the problems I had with the show is, you know, end of the last episode was the reveal. I will be your champion. Then nothing until this scene. And then the combat. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the first questions that comes to mind when he announces that I would think would be, Oh my God! Over in what a Prince of Dorne is going to fight as this as Tyrion's champion, he could die. Um, and there's no discussion between Tywin and him or Cersei saying, "Okay, if the Mountain kills this guy, my daughter is with his family." Um, you know, that the, I would think that there would be some politics. There would be more lead up to the actual trial by combat rather than having an episode and then the last ten minutes getting to that you know, having it occur. Um, so let's envision delaying this fight. I don't mean delaying the fight. Episode. No, I don't mean delaying the fight, but taking six minutes for that scene in that cell 
I see. I feel like all that happens off camera, and who cares? I <laughs> wanted to know where Tyrion's mind is at. And I don't disagree with that. I just think that some of the time of that scene could have been served and still had the power of the scene. Because I, I think also that that scene, even though he he's always great, a great actor, I did not get the the power of of you know some of most of the scenes that he is in that scene and then probably most of that is just the idea that he is so despairing that there's no you know that it comes across differently but um i just you know this the whole build-up of this season was this battle as far as or you know for this episode and i just thought that it was you know 48 minutes of other things and then boom battle over and it was just you know what just thought that there was more that could have been done I, I kind of wanted I, to have some Oberyn Tyrion time. Um, there's a very specific scene that I was hoping would be in there, um, but wasn't. Um, I'm not so sure that the fallout was really what we needed to see. Um, but I definitely think like going from I will be your champion to fight, I, I can see how you might want something more in there. And I would have loved to have more Oberyn Tyrion conversation. Yeah, for me, I thought think that they're saving the fallout because as a viewer and not you know reading the books or anything i just mm. rolled through that okay i'm gonna be the champion yeah let's get it on right mm-hmm. so it's, it's keeping <laughs> kind of that momentum and then yeah. it didn't occur to me what the implications were until the last scene and then i sat back when i was sitting there going holy fuck and then saying like you know, mm-hmm. what happens now what does that mean and so maybe yeah. they were just leaving all that to to the viewers Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I don't want to tell you guys your your opinions are wrong, but I don't <laughs> share them. I feel like I, I feel like ending it the episode exactly where they did is exactly the right place to end. Oh, it. I agree mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. And then I think the stuff that uh, I mean, what do we actually gain? from having a scene where say Tywin and Cersei and Oberyn talk about the political implications of whatever decision they're making, given that we know the conclu- the only conclusion they're going to come to is what happens. Yeah. Like, I mean, there, what there, there's no, there's no advancement that can be gained from that other than just, Hey, everybody, there are implications. Um, now I, I don't. I, I'm sure I mean, they could have made the scene good. I just didn't feel. I didn't feel any lack of that. Yeah, I don't mean necessarily that it had to be about the political ramifications of him being the champion, but just the idea that we have all of these pieces and people that are involved and and you know that we that have been built up for the entire season. These relationships. And, you know, he's on this. Everyone's on the on the the council, and he's he's doing this. And I just the entire episode, and I'm not. Compl- I don't mean specifically complaining about that scene, which came across that way, but just the idea that for the 48 minutes, there's nothing about what's going on in King's Landing and the and the you know impending battle or trial by combat, and then we get to it, and you know it's over. Well, uh, but I I I feel like anything 
that's following those characters at all that does not get us to the fight is going to make people impatient. And so if you're going to have any of that, I feel like I want insight into where Tyrion is at going into that fight. That's what I want to know most. The rest of that stuff, I feel like I, I don't know that we gain anything from learning it before the fight. Okay. That's um, my, my take. <laughs> No problem there with that. Um, once again, uh, excuse me, Mike McCauley from earlier, just getting these out of the way. Once again, Stark siblings don't reconnect after being so close. I uh, wonder if the donkey kink, Mike McCauley says, I uh, wonder if the donkey kink, donkey kick actually killed Orson. The irony of a senseless bug killer being randomly taken out by an ass kicking. Uh, um. Sheriff Bullock says, I don't think the Tyrion scene advanced anything. We know why his family hates him. He killed his mother. I would have preferred more Oberyn, always more Oberyn. I, I didn't say it advanced anything. Uh, I'm just saying that the other scenes wouldn't advance anything either. And what I want to know about is where Tyrion's mind is at. Not let's have discussions that are not going to ha have any weight until we know the outcome of the fight anyway. Yeah. Uh, Sheriff Bulk also says he's in agreement with me. I think we could have guessed where Tyrion Mines was. It was okay scene, but too long. Would have rather the screen time been spent elsewhere. At least we got some good Tyrion Jamie. Duh, Crash Beatles. Go, go, go. Yes. There we go. So we get to the the trial by combat. By the way, did you see the 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 thing with uh, you put it on Christiana the on your Google yeah, Plus, he, uh, Peter Dinklage wearing the stay <laughs> calm and uh, keep calm and, and demand mm -hmm. trial by combat, which is a shirt yeah. I wore at, oh, uh, at yeah. Balticon, so that was cool. <laughs> Although the comment that I put along with it was, well, you know, it seems like a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, just, picture is in But, you know, his, his ratio is 50-50 at this point. It worked once, and it has not worked a second time, so... I'm just very happy. That, <laughs> I'm just very happy that Peter Dinklage was wearing a shirt that I. Oh was yeah, wearing, no, it was very uh, cool. A shirt that I, I was wearing absolutely. a week ago. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't mean to diminish the coolness of that. <laughs> it's definitely cool. Yes. So uh, the bells ring and uh, they they uh, Tyrion is led out to uh, the the yard. Uh, there's a tent there with Oberyn and Larry Sand. Um, he's lightly ar armored, which Tyrion uh, notes. Uh, he's drinking wine, which Tyrion <laughs> notes <laughs> and complains about. And he says, "I always drink before I fight." Uh, he says, "Might get it might get you killed, and it may get me killed." And he's uh, over and says, "Today is not the day I die." At least wear a helmet. Yeah, at least wear a helmet. <laughs> and then the mountain enters. Uh, you know, heavy armor, Alaria stuns, you know, says, are you going to fight that? He says, I am going to kill that. Well, it's funny because she's so confident along with Oberyn throughout the entire thing. And she's like, yeah, he can drink the wine. He can do whatever he wants. And she's all confident. And then she sees the mountain and she's like, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You didn't know yeah. that's what you were fighting. <laughs> yes. Um, mistake. Yes. So he moves out uh, into the ring and um, she calls to him and says, uh, don't leave me alone in this world. And he responds, never. Um, 
you know. Yeah, you got goes, four kids. Yeah, he goes out there, uh, you know, does a lot of spinning, a lot of twirls. Mountain's not real impressed. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, Oberon goes into his Inigo Montoya. Uh, you raped my sister. You murdered her. You killed her children. Prepare to die. Um, yes. But, uh, yeah. So they bounce around. Uh, he, he continues, you know, goading him, saying, you know, you raped her and you murdered her. Um, when is winning the fight, uh, knocks him down, well, stabs him a couple times, gets him in the back of the leg, mm-hmm. stabs him really nice through the chest, uh, but wants to hear him admit um, that, that he killed and raped Mm-hmm. Um, his sister um, then knocks him down and just as he said earlier about uh, if you're on the ground or all men are all the, are the same size if they're on the ground mm-hmm. um, yeah and he uh, yeah, does what he does to I him, would argue so. that men are not all the same size on the ground because one of them was big <laughs> enough to pick up the other one handed yes <laughs> Punch him in the face and bust his teeth. Damn that punch. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I think, I mean, obviously this is a horrifying turn of events, both in the book and in the show. And so I thought the show did an excellent job at depicting pretty much how I felt about it in the books, which is this, this progression, which it, this is one of my favorite things in any kind of dramatic fiction is this idea of tension about like, is something going to go your way or not? And then you think it does, you start getting relieved and then only have kind of a slow burn realization. Oh wait, no, it's really not okay. It's really not okay at all. And I, I love that anytime any show or movie does that kind of a dynamic just really works on me somehow. But but this idea, first of all, that Oberyn's crucial fault here was so well established. You know what I mean? It's like we believe 100% why he would do what he did. And yet we can also at the same time realize how disastrous it is even before it goes so horribly wrong. Because, you know, we're cheering as he gets Mountain on the ground. But then when he doesn't finish him and he's still mm-hmm. marching around him and he's still yelling about it and now he's demanding that you who gave you the order you're starting to go oh yeah oh Oberyn, don't screw this up oh god oh no oh no yeah. and then once, it gets and then it's so much worse even than you're expecting yeah <laughs> yeah once once you got to the point i mean if you hadn't read the books i mean once he got to the point he started pointing his spear up to tywin and saying who gave you the orders? You understood it wasn't. It's not just about revenge. Yeah, it, it it is his need to, you know, to prove that the Lannisters were were the cause of this, not just mm-hmm. this crazy, you know, mountain and soldier going against orders. And uh, you know that that once you saw that, even if you hadn't seen or read the books, you were hopefully uh, scared for Oberyn at that point. Yeah, it is not just wine that clouded his mind. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did get his confession, like, though. I thought he may have been screaming too loud to hear it. <laughs> yeah, and it was yeah, and he, the mountain it. corrected he him too. Yeah, the mountain corrected him. I killed your children. Then I raped your <laughs> or your sister or her children. 
your sister. Yeah. Yeah. And then I did this. And, yeah. then I, and then I smashed her head right. in like this. So. Yeah. Um, but were you surprised at the outcome? Like, how did you think the scene was going to end? It's certainly in the fight. It certainly felt like it was too easy. It was going too easy. Um, for, because the mountain is such an imposing figure and such a great, uh, uh, combatant and all that. So it definitely felt like it was going too easy. I, I don't know what I expected, I, you know, I wanted Oberyn to win, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I really had no clue. To me, it really was 50-50 because, you know, Tyrion's already done this before and Trial by Combat worked the first time. So mm-hmm. George doesn't like to be predictable. And <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I had no clue which way it would go, but it seemed mm-hmm. like it was too easy. I had a lot of just show viewers tell me in the last couple of days, they're like, oh, I knew exactly how that was going to wind up. And I was like, really? Mm. Really? You knew yeah. exactly? I think what they're probably saying is all of the many foreshadowing clues yeah. that kept piling up as the scene progressed, leading up to the point yeah. where he's clearly not finishing off the mountain and walking oh, around and ranting. Yeah. Like, at that <laughs> point... It, it's. I think it was very much supposed to be a, oh, God, he's going to blow this. He's going to yeah, snatch right. defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah. And yeah. I think we're being and we're we're set up. To, we're given like 15, 20 seconds of realizing that's almost certainly what's about to happen. And yet we're hoping so much that it won't. Yeah. And then it yeah. does. And it's even so much worse than we could have imagined. Totally. I read the books and I was hoping it would turn out differently. I'm like, oh, man. So one brief note, um, my uh, talking about Survivor and talking about stuff co-host Mike Mateen, he and I discussed the the show sometimes. He's also just, uh, he has not read the books. And uh, I I got just a one line uh, text from him after this episode. It was just fucking Game of Thrones. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's all you need. Yeah. Sher- Sheriff Bullock says, uh, uh, personally, I found this to be the most upsetting in the series so far. In a series mm. of mostly upsetting scenes, I was not okay with this. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Know was- if you, I don't know if you're specifically meaning the the o- over the top violence wow. or the the how Oberyn died or whatever. I uh, I suspect it's well. It's it's kind of. I mean, the the gruesomeness, it's one thing if it's happening to some some random guy that we don't care about, but setting up the character to be so awesome and then having it go so wrong and then being so brutal, it's pretty yeah. upsetting. I, mm-hmm. I tend to agree. I feel like of all the big moments that they've shown on the screen, even the ones that have been brutal, I mean, this one's right up there to me with stabbing Talissa in the, in the belly during the red wedding. Like, I feel like those are the two that have been the most upsetting to me in the show so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I was, I was unprepared for the show to go as gross as it did in this episode. Yeah, I I figured they would. Cause I I think uh, something Viv has brought up in the past is they, they, have to one up themselves, mm. you know, with how violent something is. Um, uh, Plus, yeah, they destroyed that beautiful face. Like oh. this was the yeah, the beautiful face being destroyed. I mean, one of the things that like, um, like you're saying that you reading the even reading the book, you hoped it would be different. Like like 
the only time that ever, ever came was like Ned getting his head chopped off. I was like, are they going to change? Are they going to change it? They're going to save him somehow. <laughs> Here, I was sort of just resigned to the fact that it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they had that they did it in the way that they did it was, yeah. uh, you know, pretty crazy. So, um, and I, so Sheriff Bullock clarifies too, saying over and dying, I guess, was the, the upsetting aspect of it. Uh, and yes. too awesome a character and too awesome an actor to lose. And I agree 100%. I mean, well, except yes. in the sense that, I mean, you know, having read the books, I always knew this was going to happen. And so I want to just say too, to all of you people who have not read the books, the pain of watching how awesome Oberyn has been all <laughs> yes. season, knowing how it's going to turn out was yeah, really hard, and you guys don't fully understand. <laughs> but don't um, know our pain, man. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, though, um, but I agree, completely awesome. And one of the one saving grace I will say about this, especially for all of you people who really like Oberyn, um, is it's they've they've had some casting news about the next season, and it looks like we are going to see more of Dorne, including the Sand Snakes. Um, who oh, are Oberyn's yeah. daughters, who are also awesome. And so yes, I'm, especially given that the whole Dorne section, a lot of people have talked about how the all the stuff in Dorne could almost just be left out without affecting the rest of the plot that we've seen so far very much. But I was really hoping that they wouldn't because I like it and it's awesome. And so... Apparently yeah. they are not going to leave that stuff out, and I'm very glad to hear yeah. that. So now that they've established how awesome this guy from Dorne is, we'll get to go see more awesome people from Dorne. Mm. Yeah, and I would, I would, I would say that that might have been a possible uh, occurrence as far as things being left out, but that was before the uh, speeding up of certain plot lines this season. I think they, mm-hmm. that they, they, you know, they definitely needed. To have that, uh, whether it's next season or what have you, because uh, yeah. uh, they they can't afford to leave out huge chunks. Not if they're already worried about overtaking Martin's <laughs> right. books. Right. Uh, <laughs> just from the chat, uh, Sheriff Bullock says someone else's suggestion: watch Game of Thrones in reverse, and all your favorite characters come back to life. So, yeah. I, that's like the old, the the meme about if you watch Godzilla backwards, it's about a benevolent <laughs> yeah. lizard rebuilding a city and then moonwalking into the ocean. Yes. <laughs> um, Mike McCauley agrees with my take on the Inigo Montoya towards the end mm. of the battle when Oberyn was winning and kept chanting about his sister. All I kept hearing in my head was, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Oh, yeah. Now, here's a horrifying thought. Imagine that scene from Princess Bride. Stop. Stop! Don't no, even don't no, even say it. No. Don't even say it. No, okay, I'll no. do it there, but I don't. Even you don't get to do that, man. <laughs> Count Rugen will never be able to do that. And I'm out. <laughs> I am curious if uh, what happens to the mountain from here on, because he looked pretty fucked up, and since yeah. Dorn is known well, for poison, I don't know. If it would, he would have poisoned his blade. And Nutty, Nutty, Nutty is covering her mouth, which is her sign of something. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, so. Bouncing on the ball and, uh. Certainly left unresolved at the end of this episode. Yes, there, there should be more. And, uh. So, I've actually. Anything other than that. I've had a couple of people ask me this. So, just in case anybody's not clear. The the result of the battle is that Oberyn died first, therefore Tyrion loses. It's that simple. 
Right. So it doesn't matter whether it doesn't matter if uh, yeah, if the mountain dies. So I had I had heard from a couple of people. I had heard from a couple of people who were asking me like, well, if the mountain dies too, do they have to do it again or something like that? And I was like, nope, nope. It's it is a, you know, they have not carried out the sentence yet, and yet the whole rules of the trial by combat thing are pretty clear. Oberyn died first. That means Tyrion loses, and the sentence is death. That's the rules. But maybe his heart is still beating. Yeah. <laughs> we almost kind of hope not at this point. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Sheriff Bullock says, I, I also love Dorn. I vacation in Dorn. I have a season pass to the water gardens. That would be awesome. Can I, I come with you sometime? Yeah, can I come too? I want to go to the bush gardens. They have a lazy sure. river. <laughs> Probably. So, um, that just to- I, this is total random aside. But that just totally gave me really positive flashback memories to a time that I went with my brother to a Disney World water park where we both got drunk off of mini bottles in the locker rooms before going out to do water slides. Obviously, we're in separate (laughs) locker rooms, but we bought the bottles together, each snuck them in um, on our own. And uh, water slides while drunk are pretty great. I'll have to trust you on that. And, uh, <laughs> I agree. It probably would be. Although I did, I was, I did drunk white water raft, not white water rafting, but sort of tubing on this river and then was drunk. So drunk at the end and floating on the river. And you have no sort of idea of like how unbalanced you are when you get out of a tube and get onto the shore. <laughs> and I immediately fell down and like tore my knee and my knee was messed up for like a month. Well, but, yeah, so yeah. Maybe, maybe other people yeah. shouldn't do it. Safety tip. Kids, <laughs> kids don't drink in water slide. Yeah. Okay. All right. And don't watch the show because we're filthy, <laughs> filthy people. Um, <laughs> so um, just before we go on, um, this is from the, the meme roundup I posted this morning. Uh, there is a map of the United States and it tells you what your bastard name would be. And I was just curious what everyone's bastard name would be. Uh, mine would be Shore. I'm Silicon. Oh, gosh. I, I've, I put a link into the chat, so you should be yeah. able to click on it. Um, I don't know where everybody was born. Mine I would might. be grain, but I call bullshit because I was near the mountains. I, there's no way it would be grain. Yeah. It would be stone or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure as well. So. And Viv would be oil. Yeah. Nice. Are, are you silicon, Church? Yep. Okay, there we go. Um, and, of course, there's no Canada, so I just assume all of Canada is snow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it was you're an other craster. Wait, they have bastards in Canada? <laughs> no, they would never. Nope, we're free okay, folk. Here, here's a question for <laughs> like to let something like that happen. Here's a question for everybody: Was anybody disappointed in the actual trial by combat? Not the end of it, but just the actual battle and the fight and the Are you choreography. Asking because you were. I wasn't little. <laughs> oh, okay. I wasn't. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I, enjoy, I, I mean, I enjoyed it, but I event. thought that uh, it was a, li- a little bit too much cross, you know, quick cutting and, you know, sort of they had like when, when Oberon was like doing his twirls and stuff, like they had like the camera shifts and like it was almost like just repeating more than just the times he was doing it. Um, I thought they sort of lost a little bit just the way that they, I thought that bronze battle with trial by combat where it sort of mirrors this with the idea of 
man in light armor, if he's fast enough, can can do things against someone with heavy armor. And I thought that that was portrayed a little bit better in his fight, um, whereas they were concentrating a little more on you know Oberon's uh, you know twirly stuff and going on that that it's. I just thought that it was uh, not quite as momentous as as the build up, rather than. Uh, um, some of the other stuff, but I, I enjoyed it. Oberon's I just thought, all about the flash, though. I mean, yeah, he, that, that's poet. exactly what he would do. Yeah. I mean, Braun was very pragmatic about it. It's like, I'm doing this because I hope I'm going to get some money out of it. I know I can beat this guy. I just have to make sure that I don't misstep or make any mistakes, so I'm being careful, and I'm letting this guy tire himself out. Oberon, it's all about the show. He's showing off yeah. for the crowd before he even starts fighting. He's mm-hmm. yelling about this accusation the whole time. In his mind, it's not he, he doesn't think he has to be careful. He thinks he's got this in the bag, and he's also going to get his revenge too. Yeah. I mean, so I think it's very different attitudes going in. And I also thought that some of the cutting and different things was to hide the fact that it was you know a stunt fighter and you know the superimposed face, you know CGI oh. face. Open. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but um. You mean Pedro Pascal can't really do that? That's I think he'd do some of it, but he's, <laughs> he's not. He's not Ray Park uh, from uh, yeah. So yeah, Starfall. <laughs> I, was, I was I was I lost my I, I had the actor's name I couldn't remember the character name. Um, but no, I mean I, I liked it. I liked the fight. I just thought that for the build up and the idea that this was the big the biggest thing ever that it was more about the the violent end rather than the actual um, mm. pull, pulling off the battle itself. But anyway, um, so that was the episode. Um, did anybody have any last comments before mm. giving our ratings? I will miss Oberon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, oh, too, just to kind of yeah. re... You know, I, I said this in a kind of a, a different way uh, earlier, but as many huge plot development things happen in book three, and you know, we have to remember that the, the TV show's version goes all the way through the whole of last season, and this season is all stuff happening in book three. So just remember, it's like everything. Like there's all the stuff that leads up and then the Red Wedding and then all of the other stuff that's happened this season was just like one after another in the books. But this one, maybe it's just because of how great Oberyn is, um, was upsetting in almost a way that the others weren't even for me. So mm. I, this definitely was one of the most upsetting things in the books for me. I think even more so than the Red Wedding. Like the Red Wedding was shocking. Yeah. But not upsetting in quite the same way. I think maybe part of it's just because it's a obviously Oberyn's pretty cool, but also how tied in Tyrion's fate is to it, to what's going on here. And so just all of that together is just r- profoundly upsetting and and I thought the show handled that really really well um to the point where you know I think it's interesting to discuss because a lot of people's reaction has been to just say well okay what's the deal with this show this story the books 
is the lesson we're supposed to just take here that you should never root for anybody because George R. R. Martin will kill them. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's not quite that. I, I feel like that's not actually what, I feel like it's not what it, the real message is I, because I feel like the lesson is really one of pragmatism because as awesome as Oberyn was, it's like that old saying of like, if you seek revenge, dig two graves. Yep. Right. One for your enemy and one for yourself because, and that was absolutely, like, he had it won. Yeah. yeah. And you know, not that Tyrion had tons of uh, great champions to choose from, but it just shows, illustrates the idea that it's one thing to say, Oh, our purposes are aligned, but they weren't really yeah. because Oberyn didn't care about saving Tyrion. He cared about getting to kill the mountain and make Tywin mad. And because his objective was not the same, he ended up screwing over both of them. Mm -hmm. And, and Oberyn was great, but one of the things that made him so great was this passionate desire for revenge he had. And yet ultimately that's what led to his downfall versus the idea that a more pragmatic character like say Bronn was probably actually gets most of what he wants as opposed to someone who's that driven by emotion. Mm. Right. I like that. Mm -hmm. So ratings <laughs> ratings. Yes. I didn't want to say uh sheriff, uh, sheriff, sheriff Baratheon. Sheriff Bullock <laughs> says my, my thrones merchandise may identify me as Baratheon, but I was house Martell this week. We were all House Martell. So oh, yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think we, so. Yes, we were all House Martell. Uh, so ratings. Juge. What do you think? I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to give it nine and a half out of ten as an overall. In the form of nine and a half of Auburn's teeth on the floor. Oh. Teeth. Oh. I like teeth. <laughs> I like teeth. Very good. Christiana. Ah, uh, I, I, I was not able to actually settle on one. What I'll go ahead and do in the interest of continuing to double down on my enthusiasm earlier, I'm going to say 10 out of wow. Santa's new dress is a 10. <laughs> wow. 10 out of 10 Santa's new dresses. Are nice. Just, yeah. Nutty. And I'm going to have to give it a nine point five uh melon bald eyes out of ten. Melon bald eyes. Well jeez. Ouch. Ouch. Um yeah, I'm gonna go uh did anybody do Beatles? I uh, I guess I'm gonna have to do Beatles. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I'm going six out of ten. Um, I approve of that one. That is one of the other ones I was considering. Yeah, I had 950 beetle husks. Yeah. Um, six out of ten. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I was disappointed with the the battle. I thought they spent too much time with the Tyrion scene. That uh, I thought I wanted other things to happen in the episode prior to the combat. I thought. Some of the scenes we talked about earlier, the awkward writing, um, you know, I just I didn't enjoy it as much as, uh, and maybe it's just the melancholy of knowing that 
Oberyn was going to die and that mm. it happened and it just made me so sad I couldn't give it a better score. It's but, okay. Uh, yeah. you're, you're wrong, but it's fine. <laughs> do do we have a Viv rating? No, I don't. She okay. uh, She's hoping to talk about it a little bit at the beginning of the next show. Okay. Sure. Okay. Absolutely. I can uh, only imagine that, I mean, you know, at least, I mean, it, it, I think it's marginally a benefit in this case that she had read the books and knew what was going to happen, but uh, I can only imagine that it was, she found it very upsetting just based on that. Uh, yeah. She may, so she may, have, she may actually uh, agree with Sheriff Bullock, who was, I love this episode, but I hated this episode. Nine out of 10 devastated Sheriff Bullock's crying in the corner. Oh, <laughs> and like Macaulay, 10 out of 10 crushed melons, probably in my top five episodes of the series. Wow. That's, that's Very high praise. Good. So we have a cast average of 88 percent for this episode yeah you can throw mine out y'all are all (laughs) (laughs) well no anyway you should probably just have the cast average and then my average because we we can't pick the data if this is going to be scientific we need to use your actual rating no i'm just saying looking at the average feeling guilty now if you're feeling guilty (laughs) and reconsidering your opinion no no, his score is in i don't change it the dress first of all the dress lost a point right there (laughs) um No, uh, and it's not PG's lowest rating for this season. So, yeah. not what was my no. what was my lowest? Your lowest rating was episode four, which is Oathkeeper, and you gave that a five point five. Wow, I don't remember why, but um, you give it. You gave Breaker of Chains a six out of uh, ten as well. Yeah. I know the last three. You, you I was up low. around nine, eight, nine, yes. nine and a half, maybe. Did I do a nine and a half? Yes, you did. Uh, you yeah, last, last episode one? was a nine, and the episode before that was nine and a half. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and you did another nine and a half for episode two. I wanted to get um, people's uh, opinions on a couple news items. Sure. Oh, okay. So one was that uh, George's editor intimated there might be an eighth book. I think that's just it. talk. Well, he's he has uh, spoken. He has replied to that just to say. Right now, there is not a plan for the eighth for an eighth book. However, when he started, there was only plans for three books, and mm. so we all know what happened from there. So mm. he's basically not saying it's impossible that there could ever be an eighth book, but he did say he is not now planning to have an eighth book. It's now planning to still be seven, but he still hasn't written book seven yet. So he's still trying to get through book six, and so it's still plenty of time to decide to make it eight, even though the implication that it was decided is he's basically said, no, that's not true. Right. So, so he did say basically it's just talk at this point. Yeah. yeah. The headline was, you know, editor lets slip or whatever. Yeah. Well, then yeah. When I read the comments, it was really more just promo for their Atlas thing. Cause then yeah. I realized, you know, I kept saying seven books for seven kingdoms, but they're really, yeah, really eight I, kingdoms. I, See, the thing is, it's definitely innocuous. I I think it was definitely calculated because they get two cycles, Mm -hmm. two news cycles out of it. The agent says this and everybody goes, oh, my God, eight books. Oh, my God. What are we going to do? Oh, by the way, the Atlas thing. Right. And then Mm -hmm. he gets George. George gets to come out and basically say, kill everybody. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, but. <laughs> oh, by the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It definitely seemed calculated to me. Now that said, the Atlas does look cool. The other yeah. piece of news was uh, Gwendolyn Christie played Brienne. Ah, yes. Cast in the new Star Wars movie. Yep. I saw that. I was very happy to hear. To I'll watch her that. in anything. I like her, although at least at present, I am not yet feeling super excited about the Star Wars movie. I may get yeah. there when it's closer, mm-hmm. but I am not following all the little pre-production yeah. stuff. Neither was, I, neither was I really. And all the other casting news, I you know, meh. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy, on the other hand, I'm super pumped for that one. Now, like I said, there's still time. Star Wars is a ways off. I might get excited for it once we start, you know, uh, knowing a little more actual stuff about it instead of, oh, Carrie Fisher tweeted from Egypt. Therefore, that must mean that they're filming in Egypt. (laughs) Scotland, yeah. They must be in Scotland. Scotland, you're right. It was Scotland, but yeah. I saw I saw the headline. I didn't click the link because I am purposefully avoiding Star Wars news for that very reason, because I want to be able to judge it on its own merits. And I've I've expressed this before why I try not to read about casting news and things like that ahead of time, because I just feel like with all the media that's out there at our fingertips, you can become oversaturated with a project before you watch it and then get mm-hmm. disappointed. Yeah. So like Days of Future Past X-Men, which uh, we all went to see. Um, at Balticon, I looked at nothing. I saw that teaser bit at the end of the Wolverine, and I looked at nothing except when it was opening because I did not want to have any preconceived ideas or anything, and I was very pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, actually, I already removed it. I don't know for sure. Bullock or Mike uh, put in a link to a uh, my name is Oberyn Martell. You killed my sister. Prepare to die t-shirt, which yeah. I, I may own. Before, that was, uh, that was uh, Sheriff Bullock posted that. Yes, like. I was very happy. That was very good. Yeah. And the last bit was um, not really news, but uh, people should look up, do a search for Seth Rogen and Snoop Dogg recap Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Yes. They that was good. talk about episode seven. That was good. It's yeah. so funny. It is hilarious. I was surprised at how like on the ball Snoop was about everything. You know, yeah, Seth would gloss over things, was. and he's like, "No, no, no! This is what happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, this is what happened." Yep. Well, I mean, he's a really smart guy. You know, like oh, sometimes yeah. that he has that whole persona that he cultivates, right? That's a little, a little more. I was going to say loosey goosey, but that doesn't sound quite right. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, he's um, like um, uh, not in touch persona, but yeah. he really is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just surprised that he was such a fan. I'm like, um, yeah. and he said something about how he's reading the books too. So, like, I just want to sit down with Snoop and say, "All right, Snoop, tell me your theories." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, the, the particular discussion about uh, uh, the only black actors are the unsullied <laughs> is hilarious. So. Yeah. Every yeah, every black asshole is missing their junk, and the Dorn and his, the Dornishmen are supposed to be black. By the way, his reasoning was hilarious. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, oh yes. Go go search that up and, and watch. So, uh, so that's our show for tonight. Um, next time uh, we will have a contest uh, for the next episode. We did not have one for this. Uh, so there'll be a survey up on the SpectacleMedia.com. Uh, site tomorrow. Uh, the question will be for next episode. Um, looks like there's going to be some fighting. Um, so I think uh, might as well might as well make my life next week hell. Uh, we'll do. 
body counts <gasps> wildlings oh my God. versus uh brothers at the wall so um, maybe to make it a little simpler we could just make it um spread you know what i mean like um yeah who's gonna lose more wildlings or yeah. yeah who's who more on-screen deaths either more crows dead or more wildlings dead um and just we can you can maybe just do a spread i guess that still makes you have to count but you know <laughs> but nobody's gonna no, sit there I and argue uh, if you yeah, were one off i want specific numbers because obviously a <laughs> hundred thousand to a hundred hopefully there will be more wildling deaths than uh than uh wall deaths but you know unless the battle's just over really fast yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unless john snow gets conked on the head and then we learn about the fallout afterwards Oh, oh poor Terry. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, I want numbers. So we'll put that out there. So, um, so look for that tomorrow. And, um, I guess that's it. We'll see you next time on Beyond the Wall. Bye, everybody. Bye. If you'd like to send feedback to Beyond the Wall, you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com. That's B-T-W at S-P-E-C-F-I-C-M-E-D-I-A dot com. Or you could send us a voicemail at 704-315-5884. Or you can comment on the web. Go to specficmedia.com and there you'll find a shiny little button to click on that'll take you right to our page. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, 3.0, unported license. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it.